Hey folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Embellished Podcast, a podcast focused solely on product stories, product storytellers, and interesting brand ambassadors, or any other tangent that I happen to come up with. Whether you're a bourbon fan, a geek, a casual observer, or someone just floating through this channel, you're sure to waste a few minutes listening to what I have to say, and I hope you find it interesting. If you got here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. I can be found on any podcasting platform that exists, and if you can't find me on a platform, send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com, and I'll try to get that taken care of. Also generally live stream the recording of these episodes on YouTube on Wednesday nights, uh, usually at 730, sometimes at 930, sometimes on Sunday, just whenever it sort of happens. Um, you can find all of my links on Instagram at EmbellishPod uh, or Twitter with the same handle. Uh, I have a website is www.embellishpod.com. Uh, that is also a place to pick up these links, episode details, one-off tasting notes, any, any type of contact information you're looking for. Today is March the 23rd, and since March is Women's Appreciation Month, we are talking about to and with Morgan from Female Whiskey Society. Before we get too far, I just want to want everyone to marinate on the fact that societally we've screwed up to the extent that we needed to make amends by saying we're going to celebrate women for a month. Mm -hmm. And when we made this decision, it was like, all right, we named a, a month for, for women. We're doing this. We're even and like that, that. That's sort of depressing that that we got to this place. But uh, thank you for joining me. I will tell you ahead of time. I take notes. And so while you're talking, if you see me looking down, I'm writing down like, oh, I want to follow back and ask this question because I'll you know put together a list of questions. Then I'll hear something you say. I'm like, hey, let's go back and talk about that a little more. So I'm not ignoring you. I'm actually writing notes. <laughs> I use an inordinate amount of posts. This is what I do at work too. Um, this is this exact same process. It's usually just a littered desk full of, of post-it mm -hmm. notes. But about a year ago, I did an episode specifically around women and whiskey. And I'd posted something on social media about trying to get a decent list of where to even start. And you were the first person that reached out and said, hey, here's some things. And I, and I truly appreciate that. So of course I had to include you in that. And so I actually talked about you about a year ago on an episode of my podcast. I don't know if I ever told you that or not. Um, and also, we've never interacted in face to face before. But we've like, had a person. Person doesn't exist anymore. But yeah, right, well, yeah, in in a virtual sense, like everyone else is having to 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 work and do everything. But uh, your first post as Female Whiskey Society on Instagram was in January of 2021. A little over a year later, you have over 6,000 followers, I think, is what I saw this afternoon. And uh, I'm a big Office fan, so I'm going to try to get this right. I don't know if you ever watched The Office at mm -hmm. all. But uh, so it brings me to two questions. Uh, who, who do you think you are and, and, and what gives you the right? <laughs> who do I think I am and what gives me the right? I have no idea. I'm just here for a good time. And, you know, and to go back on what you started with, you know, Women's History Month and only getting 30 days or 31 days, however many days are in March. It's, it's funny because it's like, why do we even need a month? And why do we even, why do I even need to have this page? And really, I don't want there to be a need to have this page. But until I, I feel that like I've made enough of a difference in this realm, I'm going to keep it. And right. maybe, and I hope that there's one day where I, you don't need to have societies where it's just like one slice of a pie of people where they feel mm. like that's the place they can go to be comfortable. Then, you know, until we're there, I, I think they have to exist. They have to exist. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, it, it's a, 
a, a, a special interest group that is based off of something that is just a part of who you are shouldn't have to exist. You're exactly right. Right. Um, it, it, you sh we should be able to have just a whiskey society. But I mean, I, I've been around this long enough to also know there's a lot of exclusivity and being the you know stereotypical white male in America, I have all the, the, the things afforded to me that a lot of people don't. Right. Yeah, especially being in, in, you know, in Kentucky too, you have like just direct access to, a, you know, the hub of this industry and this, this hobby. And, you know, I've, I've gotten some flack from actually quite a few people, even locally here. And it's, you know, well, there, it, there shouldn't be any division of male and female and, and this and that. And it's like, until I come and meet a woman who says, gosh, because of you, I felt a little bit more comfortable going into the bar and ordering a drink, or I, you know, walked into a liquor store and felt more confident in understanding what I, I like to drink and knowing I just walk in there, get my bottle and leave or mm -hmm. saying, you know, I'm getting less and less comments or I don't get those comments that I used to, then clearly there's still work to be done. And right. clearly there's a need for this group to exist. But it's not just a place where, where women can come because my page on Instagram is obviously open to everybody. Anybody is, you know, I, I share, you know, posts and stories from people all over the whiskey um, world. So that's not just for women. So that's kind of just like the more like let your hair down, have a good time, meet friends, network. And then the Facebook page is the only thing that I have that's exclusive to women. And for me, it's just like, I just, you know, it's, you're sitting around with your girlfriends and you can kind of talk about stuff without, or, you know, even your guy friends you can just right. talk about stuff and you know, you're on the same page and you know, there's going to be people who know a lot more than you, a lot less than you, who have different walks of life. And if anyone's been on those Facebook pages, national bourbon pages, whiskey pages, I don't care what you are, male, female, Noxious. Um, army vet, it doesn't matter. I feel like it's just, it's a dog eat dog and people are cutthroat and they're so quick to judge. And it's, it's very difficult to be a woman on those pages because, and, you know, I come from before whiskey, you know, my husband and I are really into cars and it's the same thing in the car world. Women in the car world are either a expected if they're in it, that they know everything and they're an expert on every part of the industry, or they're, they're just there to use their body to sell it. And right. It's, I think it's the same in the car world as it is in the whiskey world. And I, I'm not either of those things. I'm not an expert. And I sure as heck am not using myself to sell a damn thing. That's not my style. That's not how I work. That's not mm -hmm. my interest. So it's like, there's got to be a place in between where women can just go and say, hey, should I buy this, you know, Old Forest or this Four Roses? Or does anyone, can anyone tell me more about mash bills? Those types of things. Because mm -hmm. I don't freaking know either. So, you know, and so it's just like a great place where it's just, there's no bullshit. There's no disrespect. People don't judge you. If they do, they don't, don't do it openly into your face. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, it's just way more chill. Yeah. And it's, it's always going to be important for, for groups like that to exist. And whether it is, is, is gender-based or any other thing, you know, like, 
whiskey people are assholes. Like, you know, the, you were people talking about like, like assholes, but you, you people in general are assholes. But yeah. You put them behind a computer screen where they can be anybody they want and they have access to Google and to have the answer to everything and quick rebuttal so quickly. Yep. I mean, you can be whoever you want on the internet. It's a cesspool. It becomes a cesspool yeah. really, really, really fast. And, yeah. you know, curating a group to allow people to feel comfortable regardless of what their segment is like, that's, that's it, you said it right just a second ago. It's a hobby and, and, and you're trying to make it as enjoyable as you possibly can and feel yeah. like there's no barriers to entry, whether the hobby is whiskey or cars or playing tennis or whatever thing that you're yeah. into, what's the barrier to entry and how do you limit those things? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with, you know, people in social media, whether you want to call them influencers or what. And, you know, they talk about like a drama that kind of surrounds being in this space. And it's like my paycheck doesn't come here from here. Mm -hmm. It doesn't come from whiskey. I would, you know, I would love to work in the industry at some point. But right now this is a hobby. And I think people that it is a hobby, they have to remember that the end of the day, it should be fun and you should be able just to walk away and because what, what did we all start this for it's a around a spirit that we love to sit around and enjoy figure out more about find what we like you know go on hunts for bottles it should be fun and the moment something isn't fun anymore i think you have to take a step back and reevaluate why you're even right. doing it you've taken a hobby you've turned it into a job and you may not even make a dollar from it you know I, right you, the entire reason I started what I'm doing is because I wanted to eventually be able to have conversations with people. I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sit in a room by myself and talk into the empty void for a year to feel comfortable. And then whenever I complete that year of solitary confinement, then we'll say, Hey, let's talk to people because this is what whiskey is largely about and making sure that you try to provide a voice that is not the same as, as, as what a lot of whiskey becomes. But mm -hmm. you said in there influencer and, I think technically you are one now right? if by definition, if you're, if you're following is large enough and you're able to convince people to purchase things. Oh, I, think I could sell anything. I, I could sell anything. Right. to anybody. So. I mean, you, you, you can, you can sell things, you know, like, I can sell some things, but I could sell a bit more three chord. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll obviously try to push the opportunity for that. That's that's sitting over oh, here. At this whatever. Point. But, I'm gonna be buried with it. It's fine. <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be a uh, yeah, an heirloom that you can pass favor. down to your child. Like this is yeah, a, it's gonna be the favor at my funeral. Right. It's like, thank you for showing up. Here's your bottle of three cord or whatever. <laughs> this is Morgan's legacy. <laughs> <laughs> so you you mentioned cars as well. Like yeah. what? There's there's a similar question for how did you get into whiskey? I had a question about cars too because yeah. I, I you know. I stalk the, the Instagram pages to find out what I need to ask about. How did you get into cars? Like where, where does that come from? Um, childhood. I was born into it. My dad was a huge car fanatic. Um, still is. Um, I grew up in, in Flint, Michigan. I mean, mm -hmm. we're the, I mean, Detroit's motor city, but Flint yeah. is where we made it all. And so I grew up, um, in, in cars. My dad worked for, he was contracted by GM. He was a car hauler. All of my aunts and uncles all worked for General Motors um, in some fashion. Um, cars is why my family is in Michigan. My grandparents came from Tennessee because they my grandfather was offered a job at GM. So it's the reason why I'm, you know, I'm I'm in Michigan 
to begin with. Um, but my dad was really into NASCAR growing up. And I remember doing my first oil change at five. And um, the first sentence I ever said, uh, first whole entire sentence I ever said was, Dale Earnhardt dropped a cylinder. Which is, if you know anything about cars, it's a very unique thing to happen. It's right. very odd for a very young child to to say that. Right. But that's not a, that's not a normal phrase. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I live in the middle of nowhere. Like I'm, I'm in Western Kentucky and rural borderlines. You know, south. I, I'm. Um. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it just it's kind of always been. I've been around cars since you know I was very young. Yep. Excuse me. Um. So it's just you know how I, I grew up and um, my brother, I have a brother and an older sister and my brother was never interested. Obviously my dad was like, I'm going to get my son into all these things. He's going to play sports and he's going to work on cars. And he had no interest at all. Mm -hmm. And my sister was so much older. She didn't give a shit. So um, I got wrangled into all of it. So I went to the, the races and, you know, I was stuck in the garage working with him when nobody else wanted to be out there. So I was handling, handing the tools over and the, the apprentice, I helped him paint a couple of cars before. So kind of did it all. So you, you've, you've, you've helped paint, you've changed oil, you've helped turn wrenches, but you say you don't know you, you sort of alluded like you don't really know that much about cars. It sort of sounds like you do know that much about cars. I mean, I could do a couple of things, but I prefer not to. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> we're all in that place. You know, like if, <laughs> if I can get to the point where I don't have to do my own oil change and I can pay another human being to do it, that makes my life simpler. And, yeah. and I can go do something, you know, different or whatever. Um, you said your, your family's from Tennessee and you yeah. guys went to Michigan for uh, – work <laughs> like half of my family lives in and around Detroit for that exact reason. They were from here in Western Kentucky and they migrated up. Some of them came back and some of them did not. And so yeah. um, I'm familiar with that migration pattern. Um, so <laughs> same, same exact question. Like where do you get into whiskey? Like how, how does that happen? A, a kid from Michigan who is into yeah. cars. I mean, I, I can see a direct line maybe, but. No, as I, my parents didn't drink growing up. Um, it was not a childhood thing. If they did, it was like beer and that was it. Um, I didn't get into whiskey until <laughs> two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, COVID, you know, I would have a, a whiskey cocktail, things like that. Um, but COVID hit and we were confined to our home and, you know, just a cocktail wasn't cutting it. So then it started being, you know, whiskey on ice and then that wasn't working either. So, and, you know, at that time we had a three-year-old son and he wasn't going to school anymore and we're both working from home and I'm in the medical distribution sector. So I was the most busy I've ever been in my entire life um, when lockdown happened. So I was working morning, noon and night getting things from China, from other countries, selling as much as I could to customers. So it was not, so I just needed to drink more. <laughs> I needed right. more. And, um, and then it very quickly spiraled out, spiraled out of control. We bought a house uh, a year ago, August, and it had this huge bar in the basement. It's like, well, we got to put something in it. So um, November of 2021, we, it was our first time we went to Kentucky and I've probably been with work and, you know, in personal travel, I've probably been like 25 times since November of 2021. Yeah, I saw you posted a, a picture on Instagram specifically yeah. about that. 
um, like the sort of your travel patterns, I guess, maybe last year. Yeah. At what point do you end up just like, okay, we've got to get like an apartment or a second home in Kentucky because like it's a straight line from like Michigan to Kentucky with like one outlier to New York. Yep. Yeah. So um, I, I couldn't live full time in Kentucky. I just um, my, my company actually has, we moved our distribution outside of Louisville um, back in July, which is mostly why I was there. Um, I was there almost the entire summer. I think I went probably 10 times and um, I just, you know, it's not home. I enjoy visiting, but it's just, you know, places are home. Um, it's not home. We've talked about buying a house to do like an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. So, so we'd have like our own space to come to, but, um, those, those are just ideas for right now, but right. maybe. Well, one. And then you're like, then you've gone from, from, from hobby to like a pretty deep commitment. If you're trying to find a place to stay in Kentucky, so you can. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think there's such a need too, because, because of how rural parts of Kentucky are, there's no real great places to stay in certain cities only have a couple of hotels yep. and they're not great. Like so Bardstown like, specifically, Bar- Bardstown yeah, specifically Bardstown, is the worst for a place to stay. And yeah. being the hub of bourbon is terrible. And then when those ho- two hotels are sold out, the closest thing is Elizabethtown. And it's like, it's too far. Fo- mm-hmm. Like if you're drinking, you don't want to travel that far. It's not safe. No, because there's also not an, an opportunity for an Uber or a Lyft or a taxi cab that doesn't feel like you're going to get hep A from it. No. And, but that's pretty standard around the country. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I mean, like it, it maybe, well, I guess maybe you're not going to end up with some meth dust on you. Is that, that yeah, maybe. more appropriate, yeah. you know, that's, yeah. that's where no. it lands. But. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're thinking. We'll see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just an idea for now, but I, I think there's a lot of opportunity and I don't think the bourbon tourism is slowing down anytime soon. Um, and so I think it's a, great time to get involved in things like that because there's so much opportunity. You're not wrong. Bourbon tourism. I think I was, I don't remember exactly what the number was, but I know 2021 was the biggest year for bourbon tourism. And that's with half the year not being able to travel, right? Like that's with half the year of people not being there, but he's ready to go back out. Some of the biggest distilleries were opened. Like Jim Beam wasn't open until what ended up being like late November. Right. So with all the distilleries opening back up, people just still not wanting to travel in general. A 2022, I think, is just going to be Nuts. record numbers. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the summer when people can, they can, by the summer, things are already getting back to normal. But by the summer, thing travel is going to be through, if people can afford to drive anywhere, travel is <laughs> going to be through the roof. Well, I, th- I think people will make a way to afford to drive because they're just tired of being at home. I mean, you, yep. you, you touched on it. Like, you know, that I, I went into COVID with maybe 15 or 20 bottles and I came out of COVID quarantine with, with, with far more than that. And yeah, just because maybe 30, it's like, 30. well, you know, all the money I'm saving on gas and going out to eat lunch. Whenever I go to the office, I can spend that on whiskey now or do something else. You know, it's, it's, it's a problem, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. We're the same way. I think that first trip. So the first time I ever bought bourbon, first time I ever bought bourbon, it was for Ian's birthday. And I wanted to go to the liquor store and get him something nice. I knew not one thing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. 
And so I went in and I, I the guy asked what I was looking for because they do that thing. I hate when they put it behind the counter. So I look like a freak <laughs> staring at the wall and they're staring right. at you. And it's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like You got to stay in there and stare. And they're like, which one do you want? I don't know. I'm still looking at the labels. Yeah. I don't know. They're so too far. This, in my this old was, yeah. This was, I think, May of 2020. So it was right in like in the middle of quarantine when liquor stores were like the only thing open. I'm like, I'll get him some bourbon. So I go in and I'm staring and he's staring at me and I'm staring at the wall. And he's like, well, what are you thinking? And I'm like, I don't know. I want to get myself, my husband, something nice for his birthday. And I was like, we just had to cancel a trip to um, Thailand, Bali and Taipei. Like we're both down in the dumps. Like I need something nice. And he's like, well, we have um, some of you know, this, and he showed me a bottle of Basil Hayden's and I was like, okay. He goes, it's a little softer, a little bit smoother, sweeter. And I was like, okay, whatever. I was like, okay, I'll take that. And, but the thing is, is I'm used to like bottles of beer and, and more so scotches um, Mm -hmm. as far as like very popular, like Johnny Walker, you know, blue and things like that. So I'm used to like two, $300 bottles like when I say I want to go in and spend a lot of money, right. they're like, here's a $300 bottle of wine or Johnny Walker blue or something. So I was like, it's like 60 bucks or whatever it was. I'm like, do you have something nicer? Right. And he's like, Oh, we have the, this bottle here. He goes, but it's really hot. So it's really hot, spicy, and it's got some proof to it. And I was like, Oh, that sounds like it's for me. I said, so I'll take it. And it was a, um, it was Booker's country ham. Or no, I'm sorry. Booker's Beaten Biscuits. Gotcha. It was Beaten Biscuits. Mm-hmm. And who would have known that Booker's That's the start. That's where that's where it all begins. That's where it all to be my most favorite Booker's or Booker's would be my most favorite, but we got so I took it home and he was very excited because we we're still both, you know, new to the journey. Mm-hmm. And I end up just plowing through that Booker's. <laughs> and that Booker's is not the one you want to plow through because it is proofy. Yeah. Oh gosh. I just fell in love. And at that time, mm-hmm. I think I was, I was still doing the ice cube. Um, but gosh, right. I just, I drank it so fast and then it was over, but yeah. So, and now you have to play like hell to find bookers on the shelf anywhere. There's somebody in here comment about the biscuit price. specifically. We've got, we've got, we've got yeah. a gentleman in the chat here that apparently enjoyed the biscuits. Um, yeah. Your Who husband, your husband's biscuits. in the chat. Your husband. Oh, he's he's enjoying the biscuits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and that's it, it, that's a problem with, I think, at least with 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 whiskey and specifically, like you probably get it at this point now, where somebody's like, "Hey, I'm thinking about going out and I want to buy a good, mm-hmm. expensive bottle of whiskey." And trying to start with the bottle is the wrong way. You know, my boss said, Hey, I want some inexpensive whiskey to serve at my daughter's wedding. I was like, what's inexpensive mean? Is that like zero to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40? Where's the number? And he was like, well, I never thought about it. Like you tell me that, then I'll tell you what's good in that range. And that's, you know, probably where that guy failed you because I don't know how you start with Basil Hayden's unless he was just assessing, Hey, this is a woman. She doesn't really know what she wants. I'm going to sell her this. And then it kind of goes all the way back to the beginning of the conversation of this is why these groups have to exist. You know, and I will say, I I feel like generally I personally have been treated very respectfully out there in the world um, in, in situations in person. But it is funny, like you pick up on things that I 
I, I would assume that men don't normally pick up on. So then sometimes women feel like, oh, I'm reading too much into the situation or maybe I'm being sensitive. But, you know, we've gone into liquor stores together and, you know, they've offered to let me let us both, you know, being with Ian, let us both try like a, it was a it was a barrel pick for a liquor store and it was it was being proofed down, but the samples they had were at barrel strength. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Hey, do you guys want some samples? And he gave Ian a sample. And then he turns to me, goes, Oh, I'll go get a bottle of water so he can put it in, in the whiskey. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, that that's okay. I don't need water. It's like 115 proof. Right. <laughs> Listen, man, I started with bookers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I think my mouthwash is stronger than this. But right. So it's just, you know, it's little things like that. And now, you know, I, I went out with some girlfriends a couple weekends ago and we went to a bar that's very well known for having an extensive bourbon list. And my first pour was a stag junior. And then after that, the bartender was talking to a guy a few seats down and he had a, a bottle of E.H. Taylor barrel proof. And the guy was hemming and hawing about getting, you know, he didn't want to start with it and, you know, thought maybe it was a little expensive, but it's like, I haven't seen each Taylor barrel proof on a shelf somewhere. It's like, I don't give like in a really long time. Right. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, before you go, can I have a glass of that? And the guy who was asking about it turns to me and the bartender walked away because he went to go pour my glass. And he goes, do you know what that is? And I was like, I don't, I don't even know what that question is. Do you, right. do you like, do you, it, it's obviously alcohol of some type. I'm here to purchase this, but yeah. It's, it's very just odd the things people like think are okay to say. And it's like, but it doesn't come off as like a genuine, like, oh my gosh, isn't that really cool? They have E.H. Taylor barrel proof. It's like, do you even know what that is? And mm -hmm. it's like, no, please tell me what is it? <laughs> it's like. Please, please inform me of all of the things. I'm obviously. I was like, I just finished known. a glass of Stag Junior. That's E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof. I could probably tell you the proof point where it was made. But did you see the warehouse C that they have? <laughs> but it's like that thing. It's like you're you. You almost feel like you have to flex a little bit or show that you're, you have to prove your chops. You don't have to. Right. And even I get caught up in that where it's like, well, now I need to show you that I know what I'm. It's not a pissing contest. And, but for so many people, it is like that's and, 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 and that's it's it's a, that's what that goes back to the like whiskey people are obnoxious because it very much can become yeah. a giant pissing contest with the wrong types of people. Yeah, and it's the same thing where people ask like how many bottles we have, and it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. But also remember, you have two people that are really obsessed with this mm -hmm. hobby who have nothing to do except for buy alcohol. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Plus, it's not a competition. Yeah. What is your reason for asking? Are you just interested in people who hoard things? Because that's a conversation I can have. Yeah. I'm obviously a hoarder. You know, anybody with more than yeah. about 40 bottles is probably a, a hoarder of some type. It may yeah. be just organized. If you've got a spreadsheet, you're just an organized hoarder. And that's that's okay. But, yeah. No, it's... <laughs> It's a terrible question. It's a, it's a terrible question. And I get people or some people are purely interested, but I just worry that for some people getting started out, they, it's just like need to keep up. And, yeah. and I don't want anyone to ever feel like they need to keep up. And I've mm -hmm. said it once and I'll say it a million times. If anybody ever watching any of my social media, see something and the bottle is open and you want to try it, 
I feel like my what I have is just as much as anybody else's. Right. Uh, as long as you're not gonna like trade it or try and sell it or do something weird with it. Uh-huh. I mean, I want like the point is to to enjoy it. I share it. Yeah, it's absolutely. not. I mean, I have tons of bottles that aren't open, but I I own them because I can't wait for the time that I can open them. Right. And you know, I know things that like you know, a large Craig barrel proof. I'm obsessed with all of them. So every time I see one, I buy one because I love them so much. I can't wait to try the next one. Mm-hmm. So it's just I don't want any, anyone to ever feel like they need to keep up with anyone because I think that then breeds very horrible behavior. And um, it puts people in financial situations that they don't need to be in. Yeah. And I don't want to promote that. You're, you're, I, I, I jumped on a live with Tim uh, Monday night, and there was a guy that was just in the last six months just now getting into whiskey. And, you know, he's trying to play catch up with everybody else. And, you know, everyone on the live was like, hey, man, tell me where you're at and we'll send you samples. You don't yeah. need to go out and buy bottles, man. We'll throw stuff your way because – I think maybe a more interesting question is, is like what percentage of the bottles that you have open right now, would you buy a second one of? That's a right? great question. Because really you're, we're trying to find out, like we buy them all because like, I want to know what all of them taste like, mm-hmm. all like all of them. I, you know, somebody's like, Hey, you want to buy this? Yes, I, I do. And the, the $5 bottle, let's see if it's terrible or not. The $500 yeah. bottle, let's see if it's $500 good or not. But is it good enough to buy a second bottle? And that's where you start having the more, I think, more interesting conversation there is I've probably got, let's just say I had 50 bottles, but five of them I'd purchase again. That means there's 45 that I wouldn't. Right. And that's. And so I think that's a great opportunity if you'd never purchase them again and you're not super interested in really drinking them till they're gone. Why not share them with people that may enjoy them? Absolutely. Yeah. I would much rather share it with somebody than stick it in a cocktail to hide the fact that I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I like cocktails as much as anybody else, but right. if I give somebody else an opportunity to save themselves from buying it or they taste it and they say, this is fantastic. Then I can be like, Hey, you want the bottle? Because I'm out of shelf space and I want to be able to put another one right. on the shelf. And so you can yeah. have this and I'll buy another one. Yeah. We, that was exactly what happened with us. Cause that first time we went to Kentucky, we just bought like, Oh, you know, we, what's this? What's that? It was like total right. ooh, piece of candy. So we bought, we bought way too much. We spent way too much money. And, but it was like the first time we left the house in like eight months or something. So we were very excited to be out in the world and we just bought everything. And we have this, we have one of our cabinets underneath in our bar where pretty much almost all of those bottles live because we would never just drink them. (laughs) They're not anything we would ever just casually drink. So we kind of just put them in the hideaway place. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's, that's what this closet over here is. These are the ones that I'm going to drink. There's a closet over here. That's like, uh, there there was a time a year ago where something happened and I, you know, I'm an emotional purchaser sometimes. And I'm like, well, guess what? Um, I had a terrible day at work today and something didn't go my way. So, you know what? I went out and rage, spent a bunch of money on whiskey that I shouldn't have. Now I've got a closet full of things that I have to share with people over time. And that's, yeah, I do that with pizza. Maybe, maybe we're illustrating like terrible behaviors. Of yeah, right. We have, we have coping issues. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm we're so getting this like intervention stuff. We're getting really deep down into difficult and hard to deal with personality traits. We neither <laughs> of us can cope properly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I can add some levity here. All right. So we'll, we'll rewind back a little bit. If you are, if, if you aren't, but if, if a person is a woman who's wanting to find a place to start, 
um, aside from obviously female whiskey society's Facebook group or their website or their Instagram page, like what event, what book, what resource, where should they start? Because it can be daunting trying to fit like walking into a liquor store and staring at a, at a shelf. And some like middle-aged man stares at you and is like, okay, sweetie, what will it be? And you're like, don't talk to me. Even if there's not like, this is, this is my correlation that I make regularly. Like my, the the first girlfriend that I had that was like, Hey, I need you to run to Walgreens and pick up a box of tampons for me. Never in my life had I ever done that. And I'm staring and there's just, what do I do here? I don't, I, I have no point of reference for any of that. And that's what like purchasing a brand new thing that you have no point of reference for, or figuring out how to get into it. Like, where do you start? Yeah. So what I think is really great is there is another group called the Bourbon Women and the Bourbon Women is a national group and they have chapters all around the country and they host all sorts of events. Um, So it was started by Peggy No Stevens, you know, the Peggy No Stevens. Um, So she's ingrained in the whiskey bourbon world, you know, since birth. So, um, like I said, there's chapters all over the country. They have tons of events. They're you, they're, you know, just very open from every level of drinker, um, to brand new, pretty much every bourbon women I've women event I've gone to, there is different like levels of drinking. You don't just have to drink it neat. You can, there's usually cocktails. There's usually food, chocolate pairings, whatever it is. But also, it's really nice to get exposure to individual brands at a time because I think this is can be so overwhelming. You have so many names, you know, Old Forester, Woodford, Brown Foreman, this like and then you start going up their chain of ownership and it just becomes like, ah, so much. So what's really nice about these tastings is usually it's one brand, Old Forester, and you go through the whole whiskey row. You taste each one of them. You add water. Then you have dinner. And um, they're all different brands all over the country. There's always something. But what's really awesome is every August, they have the Bourbon Women Symposium. And it's in Louisville. And you can tell I'm not from Louisville because I call it Louisville. Um, And it's a weekend of just girls drinking, doing classes, going to distilleries, going to, you know, Vendom to see the copper, you know, all of that. Like it's a whole weekend of something. So if like you really are interested and you want to just dive face first into experience, the Bourbon Women just have tons of events. They have tons of YouTube videos. They have the Cocktail Contessa, who I think is a really great resource of, you know, kind of joining this world without going head first into just you know, sipping neat because not everyone's going to do that. Not everyone likes it. It's just like, you know, I've been drinking wine coolers for the past 10 years. Which wine should I drink? Oh, you should drink a 1955 Bordeaux. It's like, no, you shouldn't. That's like the worst thing that, you know, to do, you need to kind of figure out, mm-hmm. how to walk into it and say, okay, you know, generally, and I think John, Johnny Walker has it on their website. Obviously it's a little bit more scotch, but you, there's a test you can take. I think it's on Johnny Walker's website. And you can say, I, you know, I I like milk chocolate and I like really salty potato chips. And mm-hmm. um, I tend to read like really bitter, you know, fruits. And, and it'll tell you based on what you like, you kind of go towards this realm of whiskeys. 
And you can kind of, from there, decide which direction you want to go into as far as drinking. Or one of the things I think is really great is just going to the store, maybe do a little research, figure out what what brands are weeders, what are this and that, and just buy a small bottle. It can even be like those little tiny little you know, purse bottles, I like to call them. And you just buy a bunch and you figure out what you like and what you don't like. And that's very inexpensive to do it that way. I mean, what are those like a dollar, two dollars a piece or something? They're crazy cheap and you can just, you can taste it. But if you just want to know knowledge, there's a ton of knowledge online. If you just Google bourbon, whiskey, you know, mm-hmm. get, you know, the, um, the stave and thief, um, that group that that does the certification, their textbook is fantastic. I bought like every book on Amazon possible. Mm-hmm. There's one that's all about the women and how women in the history of bourbon, they were the ones that really started it all. They were making the mash because, you know, men didn't go in the kitchen. Men weren't right. making mash. The, the, the women were, were making the whiskey in the kitchen first before it went in the barrels. So um, I think there's, if you want to get in the history of it, there's a ton of great textbooks, textbooks, books. I, gosh, how old? Textbooks? <laughs> books. Well, huh. I mean, it, when, whenever you get to this point, it is a <laughs> book about bourbon, but it's a textbook because it's part of the education of your yeah, now new hobby. And, you know, some people aren't readers and I kind of come and go as far as reading. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll open a book and read a page or like a chapter or two, and then I just usually fall asleep or move on to something else. But, I, you know, just whatever you're interested about bourbon, if it's about the history, get a book. If it's about what cocktails you can create, buy a cocktail book. You know, Death & Co. has some really great cocktail books out there. There's so many great cocktail books. Or find a bar in your area that you're you're comfortable going to. Maybe it's your local bar that you've always gone to, and tell them, "Hey, I'm interested in trying some whiskeys," mm-hmm. and, and you you can get a really nice introduction. You, I think, whatever it is, whatever you're walking into, you just need to feel comfortable. And at least that's I'm only speaking from my experience. Um, if I'm comfortable in any situation, I'm way more likely to branch out, try something unique. Or even put myself out there at all. So if that's what it takes, you know, go with your your core group of girlfriends or take a significant other with you and just, you know, dab, you know, dip your toes into it. Figure out what it is that you want to know more about whiskey. And really, you just have to go for it. But, I, you know, groups like mine and, you know, the Bourbon Women, I think, are fantastic groups to go to where you can kind of you can hide behind that, you know, your your picture or your Instagram persona and you can just like lurk in the shadows and learn things. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you surround yourself with people who are really kind and who really care about you learning more and who love this world as much as like they want you to love it as that much, then you're, you're going to do well. You're going to find what you love. You just have to get through all the bullshit. And there's a lot of it. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. And one thing I do want to call out because I missed this several times when I first heard about bourbon women and Mm -hmm. um, their event, it is the sip posium. Yep. Sip posium. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I, because I don't want anybody to go, well, I'm looking for the symposium symposium because, just yeah. you know it is what it is but 
Nice. Um, and I really like the the purse bottles thing. I'm saving that. So whenever somebody's like, hey, what should I do? Like, go to the liquor store, get purse on the shelf, and anything that says bourbon, buy a shooter of it and mm -hmm. work your way through it. Whether you want to do it in one night or not, you're not going to learn anything if you try to do it all in one night. So you probably need to spread yeah. it out. Um, because yeah, if they've got 50 different ones, you're going to hurt yourself. And they're getting so like co um, companies coming out with those like tiny little bottles. It's getting like just outrageous how many options are out there. Everyone's and, there so, now. Yeah. and I know a lot of smaller liquor stores, it's harder to get the variety. And I obviously my first go-to is support your local liquor store, your small mom and pop liquor stores. And so if they have them try try them or if you're looking for something specific ask them to get it for you but mm -hmm. there are some you know you may have to go to some of the larger stores that have a huge variety and, and just try it out so you, you mentioned you also mentioned moonshine university and i know you finished the uh certified bourbon steward yeah i, I didn't take the test yet yeah, i'm I mean, so lazy it's just a matter of clicking through it. I, I, I know I that's Ian was like, yeah, there's no way you cannot fail or not. Right. Fail. If, if you, if you fail this, you just need to shut your group down because you already know all the things that were there. Like you didn't even need to take the class, but are you, <laughs> are you, are you guys exploring the executive? Are you going to, are you going to push that further? Probably. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not taking anything too serious right now. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm just, whatever. If I end up there and there's a class, I'll, I'll do it. I don't know. Probably. I am a horrible test taker and it's I, I probably would, if I didn't do well, I would, I would probably shut down and start drinking <laughs> vodka or something. <laughs> Don't do that to yourself. That's, that, that, that's the worst thing. Um, so you, you've done, you've done a few picks. Um, mm -hmm. How do you go about like arranging who you're going to, to work with? Like, how does that happen? Yeah. So, so far everything I've done, um, I've paid for myself. I've not done through, well, we just did an Elijah Craig barrel proof, but we were asked to do that by a store and the, but it's not out yet, but everything else that I've done, I've paid for myself. So mm -hmm. I obviously have to find distilleries that are willing to do private purchases. Mm -hmm. um, so new riff was the first one and that was the easiest one to do. They're just like, Oh yeah, here, pick a day, give us your money and pick your, no. pick yeah. your bourbon. Right. Um, so that one was easy. And then, I had actually started talking with the ladies from Bluegrass right when I started my group. And, you know, I, I reached out to them originally to do like a happy hour, like mm -hmm. a virtual happy hour with my um, with my group. And it kind of snowballed into doing a pick. And then I just I did the pick. And then what else did I do? Oh, the three chord. Um, the three chord is also based on, you know, female, our local three chord. So three chord is based out of Michigan mm -hmm. and our three chord rep is a woman, uh, Meg, and she's fantastic. And she's in the group and we've chatted for since pretty much since day one of me starting the group. And then it just felt like it was the most natural thing to do is just to go with a three chord pick. It, it's Michigan. Yep. It's, you know, they've got a music, you know, music thing about them. And I, I love that. And so it was just very natural to go with three chord as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, do, do you have any specific brands that you would like to do a single barrel pick with? Oh gosh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Jack Daniels. So I would love to do Jack Daniels, like a super, like a oh, single barrel barrel. I love Jack Daniels. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to do an old Forester, but 
what is probably the highest on my list right now is I want to do Kings County. Okay. I love, love, love Kings County. I love that they do the shorter barrels and there's so many options for super high proof. And they have, I mean, they're one of their last bourbons we bought was the highest proof whiskey I think I've ever had. So, mm -hmm. so you spend a lot of time at, uh, at, at Valentine's sipping on Mayor oh, Pingree. Yeah. Oh, are, yeah. are they... I would say Mayor Pingree would be also a very high one, but that one, that's a pretty cut cutthroat thing to get into. Right. They, those are, that's it's hard. <laughs> like you it's, think getting a pick for you know an old forester or Jack Daniels is hard. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's even harder with that small of a distillery in such a heavily populated bourbon loving area. Yeah, and it's you're, you you may be getting I don't know if lucky is the right word, but I know the state of Kentucky is working on their single barrel uh, legislation. So the direct to individual may be a bigger option. So there may be other brands that are willing to participate in that based off of what's happening here yeah. in our state. Yeah. So I, I heard that um, part of that bill passed today. Mm -hmm. um, Ian was telling me about it. He apparently told me about it a long time ago and I have a hard time listening. So um, it was new news to me today. Right. Um, well, I mean, it's, it, it's the legislative process. They've been talking yeah. about it for you know, a month, but it's going to take them two more months to get it resolved because yeah. that's just it, it was all, it's all, everything's brand new to me every day. It's like waking, right. it's like 51st dates. Every day is the same day, but it's new to me. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's nice. But, um, yeah, no, there's a, I would love to do a mayor Pingree, a Valentine. I, I love what they're doing. I love what they're about. They're smaller. Um, and they've got their own stuff coming and that's really, it's really exciting. They've been using MVP for the past, you know, however many years they've been open, but their, um, their stuff is finally coming of age and, and being bottled. So that's really exciting too. So, so you don't own, you don't do just whiskey, right? Like you, you had a candle thing where you're putting candles inside of Glen Cairns and you've yeah. got another new candle thing. So what is this? Like, yeah. we had a discussion on musty and I'm absolutely yeah. here for musty. I'm here but for what, musty too. What, what's going on with the new candles? Yeah. So, um, I can't sit still and always have to be doing something. So, um, I got this idea. I, well, it happened probably a, almost a year ago when I started the group, I really wanted these bourbon whiskey themed scents in a candle because I don't really like very feminine scents and I, I like things that are a little bit stronger you know like musty like we said and woody and I like those scents naturally and it's like oh it'd be really cool if you had like a candle that smelled like bourbon but then like all the candles I smell that smell like bourbon, they're like, why? I'm like, why is this so sweet? Like, have you ever? It's like bourbon syrup. syrup. It, it's like if you were to make. <laughs> yeah, it, like I, bourbon one, maple syrup. <laughs> it, one of my employees gave me maple syrup that was aged in bourbon barrels. Yeah. And that's what every bourbon candle smells yeah. like. And so it's like, no, it's just, that's too much. I, I don't want my house to smell like cookies or like, I love cookies, but your house, your candle should not smell like dessert. And so I had actually reached out to several companies, um, obviously all small, um, you know, very small businesses, um, family owned candle companies, reaching out, asking somebody if I could white label, all they do is make the candle and put it in my, in my Glencairn or my knee glass. I didn't get anybody to respond. Not one. I went to 10 plus companies, um, 
first started with all the people I knew in Michigan, got recommendations from friends, then kind of started going outside of Michigan. Nobody. So I was like, well, how hard could it be to make a candle? <laughs> I mean, like in the end, it's it's a difficult process. It takes time. It's expensive. But it's like, why can't I do that? So um, I did a small run of them last year for charity. And then um, just recently I was doing something. I'm like, you know what? I should do that candle thing again. And so I just was like bought all the stuff and started making candles. So um, I'm going to launch hopefully in April sometime when everything is set up, but it's going to be called Charge Studios and it's going to be a few different lines of products. All of them are candles, but there'll be a, um, the charred um, line will be like Rick House, Isla. So I'll have one that tastes like, or smells like, um, like scotch. Um, and then there'll be like a Boulevardier, you know, those types of, you know, bourbon um, candles. And then there's going to be like the Shaken and Stirred line, which will be like a Paloma um a bee's knees so all cocktail themes but nothing like overly sweet just very light citrusy um like you could feel like i could just drink this candle like it smells like actually not not as reminiscent but actually like what what you're you're drinking and I mean, then you already um, said it was going to taste like scotch so I'm obviously ordering an Isla candle and I'm going to taste it. And if it doesn't taste like scotch, I am going it, to. It's definitely, it smells like scotch and I don't like scotch and my kitchen smells like scotch. It's <laughs> very earthy, very peaty. Um, it, it's, it smells, it smells like scotch. Mm -hmm. And then um, the last part is going to, I'm kind of playing with it, but I'm thinking more along the lines of like pop fizz. And I have a different container for those candles and they're going to be like, like think mimosa, champagne, um, more floral, kind of more feminine than any of the other ones, but they're going to be in a very fem feminine style container. And then I'm doing a whole line of incense as well. Incense? Yeah. Are you making your own incense or did you get the, like... No, I, well, I'm not making the sticks, but I am okay. dipping them in, in my, yeah. Okay. I, don't have time yeah, I, was, I, I didn't like... I'm very much my, my mom decided, Hey, you know, I don't like the soaps that are on the market. So she started making her own yeah. and not like, you know, like making lye soap out of like animal fat or whatever, but like yeah. bought the things and cut her own. soap. so we're on board with that. When you're like, I'm making incense. I was like, like from scratch. Like yeah, I'm, not roll, I'm not rolling them or anything. I don't have the yet. space or time for that, but I, they, I am <laughs> dipping them in the same the same um, sense that I am doing the candles. The fact that you said you don't have the time or the space feels like you already looked into what it would take to make your own incense from scratch. Well, you have to, like ground up the powder and. So you I did, yeah. Job, okay. <laughs> I, so, I mean, I can melt and pour. Melt and pour is not difficult. Right, but you you did the research on what it would take to do it. And you're like, nah, that's too far. I saw a few Wikipedia pages about it. <laughs> It looks so, like it's going to take longer than 10 minutes. It's like, I got ADD. I don't, I don't need to throw you, in that. You got ADD and you got a kid. Like that, yeah. th th those two things don't equate. To a very demanding time. jobs. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel that entirely. Um, So we've, we've, you've got candles, you've got glassware, you've got merch. Uh, obviously you'll get a chance to, to talk about those things um, when we get to the end here. But I noticed on Instagram, most mornings you're posting something about coffee every morning. So, when are we getting a Morgan special coffee blend 
don't even give me any ideas. Ian's probably upstairs like that. Because <laughs> I've already wanted to toy with the idea of roasting my own coffee beans. If Listen, my, my brother's been doing that for the past few months. If you need yeah. me to, you can get a hold of him. He's a far nicer human being. You can learn about it. There's a lot of ways to start, you know. Well, and I have this bluegrass barrel over here. Mm -hmm. All five gallon. And if you've had the bluegrass, you know it was delicious. And I guarantee beans being in that. So this is the experience. So my brother is absolutely a teetotaler and does not drink at all. But he's very, very into coffee. And so usually we'll do, in the spring, we'll do like a trip, me, my dad, and my brother. Just like a once a year, we'll go do something. Because, you know, eventually somebody's going to die and we're not going to be able to do the trip together anymore. That's uplifting, but totally. Right, yeah. But, I mean, like, it's a thing we do. And so usually there's like, my dad likes food I mean, we all like food but like he likes food to a degree a little bit more than us so we find a place that has food and i like whiskey so we find a place that has whiskey and my mm -hmm. brother really likes coffee so we find a place that's a place that has coffee and so last year um was i'm I, I do the the maker's mark ambassador thing which where you know you get to go dip your own bottle and i did yeah. that and i was like you know this is a cool experience i signed my dad up for it. i was like all right i'm gonna sign him up for it well last year was his year to dip his oh. bottle and so we went up and dipped the bottle my brother was like hey I'd like to age some of my, cause he's been roasting his own beans. It's like, I want to, I want to age some beans in something to get a whiskey flavor. Cause I can buy them, but I want to try it myself. And so yeah. we bought some staves for maker's mark and he built a box out of it and he started putting small batch beans in it to try to get the flavor. And the, the, the box made out of the staves wasn't enough. And so then I was like, all right, here, I'll give you some whiskey. And we put it in a little spritzer. And so he was able to spritz down the staves and try it. And he finally, it took like, three or four rounds of getting it right, but you're going to need to like wet the barrel again before you put anything in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, I'm sure you've seen, um, Stave and Bean, John Waddell, his yep. coffee, that stuff is fantastic. It's so good. I mean, surely he's going to want to start being able to be like, Hey, let's do a collaborative effort with female whiskey society where they yeah. have their own blend. Right. Well, I've, I've talked to him and I said, well, what if we did a single barrel bourbon Exactly. and then we did our own coffee inside our barrel after mm -hmm. it's done. And he was like, hell yeah, let's do it. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's do well, it. Like you got your solution. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so I mean, I love coffee, and it's funny. We Ian and I travel the same way, but it's you know we have to have the coffee for me, the food, the drinks for both of us because we're both we are just such big foodies. I'll eat literally anything. He's very picky, but then you know when before we were into bourbon, we're really into in, into craft cocktails. So as we travel the world, we just we have to go to the best cocktail bars wherever we go. So, you know, we've, we've been cocktail bars, you know, all over Europe and things like that. So that, you know, we travel the same way. Yep. So your, your, your husband is in the chat complaining about, he's about to cut the power to the house before you start another business. Uh, I think that's directly in relation to that, but you know, like we, we can throw another one on there because obviously you have an affinity for food. You have an affinity for drink. You have an affinity for travel. Maybe you need to like start crafting Kentucky tour experiences. And so you can have, the female I, whiskey society and you could even cater it off of women be like hey women that I, want to I actually thought about that built in if we get a house in kentucky that we could have like this whole you That's know it. experience you, built in 
See, there you go. I, you know, I, I wholeheartedly support this because I am not financially invested in the situation. So you're giving all your ideas to me so I can get my credit. Correct. Absolutely. You know, well, I mean, like you, you, you like to start things. I'm just trying I to help. Do. I'm just trying to help you expand your empire. I need somebody to finish them for me. I have a million hat. Okay. I've got a whole little situation over here where I was like, I need one of those cricket things and I'm going to make vinyl and I'm going to make like glasses and shirts and this. And the, I mean, I mean, I use it, but I, I, I need to get back on track. We, we have a cricket. We have uh, a wood lathe. We have uh, an embroidery machine. We've looked at getting a laser etcher. Like we have all the, we're hobbyists as well in this house. Okay. So, I support this endeavor. Like my wife's got a, you know, photographer grade camera because this is a thing yeah. that she's interested in. And I'm like, Hey, you know, let's whatever. Yeah, I think that that's next on the list is a good camera. Cause right now the like the phones are great, but they just, they really don't cut it. Right. But have you seen that? Oh, what's it? Glowforge. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. Oh, shoot. I need one of those. I know if I, if, if I had the space, you know, like, you know, it, 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 we, we would definitely have it, but we have to buy a new house for space and that's not happening for a while. Yeah. Cause you're like, I'm not getting rid of any of my bourbon. So no, <laughs> that's well, silly. You, you that's took silly. over my closet. So also another one of the things I do is I, the, I resell clothes on a website called Poshmark. Yeah, so I have this closet behind us where all of my inventory was in and now it's a little tiny bit of inventory and in all of our backup bottles. Right. So yes, I've lost the yeah. closet. Yeah, no, there, there's, there, I need more space. I'm like, we've got a shop out back that we don't use for anything shop related other than storage. I'm like, I think I could insulate that and put some air conditioning and I could move everything out there and not could have an entire whiskey uh, hut, you know? Yeah. And my wife's like, stop. No, I think that's a great idea. I kind of so want to be think you, need, you need a whiskey hut now? I want to, I can't, we can't put any outside things yeah. in our yard. We have you no know, HOA. We're in, in the middle of nowhere. We got in trouble, so. Yeah, we, we, we have no HOA. We're in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. Yeah. My, my parents are my neighbors. Like, we purchased my parents' house some years ago oh, okay. because they're old and they needed to be kicked out. You know, like, <laughs> this is our progression. Like, our first home was my grandmother's house, and we bought that and evicted her. And then my our second home was my parents were like, we're getting older. We want a house that's all on one level. And, like, they built it on a concrete slab. So if they get in a wheelchair, they can get out of their car and then go everywhere without worrying. Like do is for like end result of something really depressing like, <laughs> travel because someone's gonna die right well like these are they the eventualities of all the things right? i mean i'm not interested in becoming a vampire so i don't want to live forever you know but also you anyway. sound like a really crappy family member you're just like going down the family tree i think that they would probably agree that i'm a really crappy family member you're not well, wrong you like show up at your brother's house and you're like all right it's mine bye bitch Yes, you're 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 not too far from it. you know. We we had we had made this joke. You know, both my parents were like, "We want to be cremated," and we're like, "What are we gonna do with these ashes afterwards?" Because neither one of us want them. We're like, "I'm gonna play a game where like I go visit my brother and I hide it in his house." Oh, that's a great idea. And then when he finds it, he's got to be like, "Oh, that son of a bitch got me," and he'll have to try to come visit me and hide it in my house. But if you and catch then one him, thing, you're gonna sit around and be like, "We're really playing hide and seek with our parents." Absolutely, <laughs> yes. But it forces interaction, you know. In a, in a in a sad, you know, after things happen, people sort of separate. Like forces interaction, and also makes a fun game, you know. Like we're was that the office? Was it office space where they put the fish in the ceiling, or was that the office? 
Uh, that would have been office space, I think, because it wasn't the office. Yeah, it's like they they were hiding like fish in the ceiling. I can't remember what it oh, was. No, the cell phone went in the ceiling in, in the office. Oh, that's what it was. It was Andy's cell phone. That that's where he put his fist through the wall. They were hiding fish in the ceiling. I can't remember. I've only seen office space like one time. So <laughs> it was a long time ago. Long, long time. I don't even feel like you're old enough to have watched office space. When did that come out? I don't know, like in the 90s, I'm pretty sure. Office Space came out, well. I'm pretty sure. I wasn't born in the 90s. Right. Well, yeah, but you would have been like, what, 11 or something? Well, I didn't see it until I was like 30. <laughs> Let's see. It was, it was made in 1999. So I was. Nope, I don't need you to say it out loud. I, I was 12. I don't, I don't do that. This is the worst. Is that right? 19, yeah, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. I was born in 87. I was 12. I was in college. I was in college. Thank, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Age ain't nothing but a number. No, this is exactly how I spend my life because all of my employees at work are similarly aged to you and all of our support staff on the software end of the building are all similarly aged. And I'm like the old guy. Oh, Someone funny. occasionally calls me dad. It's real, real weird. So um, my CEO is less than a year older than I am. So a lot of a lot of my coworkers are are my age, just because it's just a natural gravitation. But most of our sales reps are all you know like forty five plus. My but people. My, my people. <laughs> but then like the internal staff, they're they're all in their thirties because our boss is in his thirties. Right. So it just sort of happens that way. So yeah, just natural. You, you you said earlier that you know you, you were you were depression purchasing uh, whiskey because your trip to Thailand and Bali and Taipei was canceled, right? True. So you you have a high affinity for traveling. You mm -hmm. obviously want to go and see all the things. Does this entire thing end whenever like we can go travel again? We're going to the world. No. Um. If anything, it makes me more excited to see not only whiskey, but what other spirits are are out there that are are um like the normal spirit, the not natural spirit, like the, the native spirit, spirit of different. Yeah, the, the their spirit, their home spirit. Um, and which has always been a, an interest. Um, Ian thinks it's more of a joke to bring me shitty spirits from around the world and make me drink them. But um, it, I think it makes me more excited to, to see what bottles of whiskey and bourbon look like in other countries. Mm -hmm. It now just makes it even worse because then, you know, there's different things are more available. And, you know, I already have, we already have a couple of bottles that are from, I think, we just got a four roses and I can't remember exactly where it was from. Maybe Poland. Must have malts. Yeah, that was the one yeah. that came from. See, yeah. This, this is what makes me feel like a creep is that like I can correlate all these things from Instagram, but yeah. we don't actually know each other. But you're like, oh, we just got a four. I'm like, yeah, from must have malts. Yeah, it, well, it was must have malts, but I believe it was, right. I want to say it was a Polish mm -hmm. or you, maybe it was Ukrainian. I know if Ian yells down the stairs, I'll know because he remembers things I don't. But then I have a Booker's that that is from um from maybe that was the one that's from poland so i think no it just it makes me more excited to get out there travel and see what's on the shelves at other stores and try their native spirits um mm -hmm. that are very unique to their their area their territories um you know we have we've been to portugal and and theirs is a cherry liqueur called ginja 
And then there's um, Romania, I think it's called Tuica, but they're all like, you know, they're, they're nations, you know, native distilled spirits. So I'm really excited in, in trying more of those. And I've always been excited about that, but I think it's added even an extra layer of what unique things, you know, can I experience mm -hmm. from, from this whiskey world? Yeah. So I think it's just going to make it worse. <laughs> well, that's, that's good to know because it's just more content. Obviously um, <laughs> you, you mentioned your husband likes to bring you shitty international spirits to try. Yeah, they're horrible. Um, so, <laughs> but you want to try things from different countries. Yeah. Is he bringing you, the Booker's equivalent of those international spirits, mm -hmm. or is it something else? Because to really kind of be fair, since you started with Booker's, you've got to find the Booker's equivalent in whatever that nation is. No, no, it's more of um, the family dollar equivalent. <laughs> the last thing he brought me was from the airport. So he's like, I wanted to get you a bottle of this, but I ran out of time. And so I got it from the airport. So, so we have this thing. He kept trying. It was, a plum liqueur, plum spirit it, from Romania. I want to say it was, if it's not Tweeka, it's something else that's from a different country. But um, some of the nicer brands, they'll take the bottle and they put it on the plum tree and the plum actually will grow inside the bottle. This was not one of those brands. This was kind of, had like this really crappy, like a um, Romanian flag painted on the label. It was really bad. But um, we had been house shopping you know, during this whole thing. And I told him, I said, okay, our, our house, like everything goes through and we get the house. I will take a shot of Tweeka or whatever this was. <laughs> I, I will do it. I will do it. So everything went through. We're sitting on the porch of our old house. He goes, today's the day. I'm like, oh. <laughs> hey, let's do it. Oh my, it was just so bad. It, it, I mean, it's really, I don't know much about it. I assume it's just like plum vodka. Right. It, it was, it, it, it's their version of like moonshine that was made in somebody's tub. Oh, and they may have like dipped toilet. a plum in it briefly. And then that, now toilet. it's. So speaking of that, my, um, my mom comes from a very large, very large family. And she always has these uncles that come over come over at on Christmas and her family's so large that we always have to celebrate Christmas in like a, a VFW hall. Right. Um, anyway, so we're always at this VFW hall and she always has these uncles that bring their homemade wine. And so we're like, Oh, uncle so-and-so brought his toilet wine again and they drink it. And it's like, and it's to be so gross. <laughs> I imagine that's what Tweeka is like. This is this is the equivalent in Kentucky of somebody's bringing their homemade moonshine. Oh, we, this we is that, a thing. We get that too. My parents are obsessed with moonshine. And moonshine is so like mainstream popular too. Because you have so many people that are making it at home. I have cousins that make it. And like I said, you know, if my family is not in, you know, my family's all from Tennessee. So mm -hmm. they're 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 cooking something. Right. <laughs> you know, they're cooking something. Um, yeah. <laughs> so why not? Moonshine is the best thing they could be cooking right now. You're definitely not wrong. It's the maybe the least illicit thing that yeah. they could be cooking up. Yeah, they're cooking something. So <laughs> Whew, yeah, moonshine. It's you know, it 
I could always tell there's, there's a university here in town. That's where I went to college. I'm, I'm, I'm from this area. But I could always tell even at a college party when someone snuck moonshine into what it was already mixed as the party oh, bunch. Um, yeah. Because either people were getting naked or fighting or both. You know, and and it probably tasted both. like rubbing alcohol. That, see, this is why I maintained my own drink. I, I don't know what it tasted like because yeah. – I know that, you know, like, let's let's keep the top on the drink and make sure we yeah, take care like of ourselves. Yeah, you're like the only guy in college who's covering his drink. <laughs> well, it's not so much that. It's like, I'm not drinking somebody's moonshine because I don't want to go blind because I don't trust you That's wherever true. it came from, you know? Yeah, so um, way back in the day, way back in the day, my grandfather, who's from Tennessee, he actually used to run moonshine. Mm -hmm. So, um... So that's my parents. My dad loves it. They're obsessed with it. I, I could probably tell you that I've never had it. I've never had any, any type, even the mainstream brands. I don't think mm -hmm. I've ever had a moonshine. Well, that's a shame. You've got, you, you've got to go back to the source to know where it all began, right? No, I think There's I'm some... good. <laughs> See, I'm... that's a reasonable response. I think I'm good. Now, of the ideas I've talked about, the, the thing that you're balking, like you're ready to start three other businesses that I've tossed out, but drinking moonshine is the line. Yeah, I, I am a, I'm a little busy of a, I have a lobotomy that day, so that's not going to work for my calendar. <laughs> All right. Um. So one of the things that you do is you'll jump on Instagram and taste bottles or even taste one of your own um, uh, single barrels that you selected. How did you get comfortable giving tasting notes? Because that's a place where, um, you know, the 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 live I did Monday night, the the gentleman jumped on. And he said, you know, I hear all these tasting notes and I just I don't ever feel I can get it. Like, how did you get to the point in two years where you're like, I'm going to feel comfortable giving tasting notes? Yeah, so I'm I'm I will be the first one to say I am extremely hard to please. And I'm very, very picky about what I drink. And, and I'm not really, I won't be disrespectful and I will be as polite as I possibly can, but I am I'm very, very picky about what I drink. And, and I think all people should be. Um, and I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a comfort thing for me. I, I'm just here to just have a, a good time and be honest with people. And, and I don't think anyone should take what any one person or any person at all says as far as tasting notes. I think it should all be taken with a grain of salt. Um, but I, I'm just here to be me. And so I, for me, it's not a comfort thing. I, I don't know how to be anybody else but me. So I'm going to come on here. I'm going to drink this. And and I think a lot of it, and I saw that that live, and I and I agree um, with a lot that was said that night. Is so much of it is because of of things from your memory. Mm -hmm. You pull flavors and and tasting notes out of and flavors and out of bottles purely by by things experiences you've had. So if you've never experienced, also I think there's big part of it that's bullshit but for example marzipan if you've never eaten marzipan you're never going to say something tastes like marzipan but if you grew up eating you know pretzels dipped in peanut butter 
that mm-hmm. can very well be a tasting note. It may be ridiculous to the person that's never had a pretzel dipped in peanut butter, but for you, it's like, oh, something about you know X, Y, and Z flavors remind me of that peanut butter dip, you know, with the pretzel. And so I, I think for me, I'm just being true to myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, I'm drinking this. This is what I get. And, you know, if you're tasting with someone, they may say, oh, like I'm getting this. It's like, oh, I could see that. But I interpreted it this way. You may say, oh, I taste green apple. But for me, uh, my palate senses more sweetness. I'm more sensitive to sweetness. So while you got crisp green apple, I, I don't know what the comments are. So I can only assume that my husband's being an asshole. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not at all. No. <laughs> But other people may get like green apple Jolly Rancher, you know, because of mm-hmm. sweetness. So for me, like I said, it's not a comfort level thing. I, I just I don't know how to be anybody other than me. So if I'm tasting something, you, I mean, you're going to get what you get. Um, I get there's not a lot of I want to say there's not a lot of uh, authenticity, um, but I feel like there is quite a bit of people who are authentic with what they put out there. And I feel like it's a real shame and it's a real disservice to the whiskey community when people go out there and say they taste X, Y, and Z. And it's like, when was the last time you had a fucking fig? Please. That wasn't a Newton. Like, come on, who just eats figs? What universe do you live in? Or what, like, besides old women, who's eating marzipan? See, you, you, you can replace marzipan with macarons because the ingredients are virtually the same, right? This yeah. is the thing that I always tell people. Like if somebody's like, oh, I taste, if, if you're in a tasting with somebody and they're like, I taste marzipan, you'd be like, yeah, it sort of tastes like macarons to me. And you're like, just, and you just have to be very specific. Macaroon or macaron? Macaron, not macaroon, well, macaron. The same old ladies that eat marzipan are eating macarons. Cause- right, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's a way for you to throw it back. And, you know, the, yeah. the thing that I've, I've always kind of aligned to is that you can taste more things by tasting more things. And mm-hmm. you kind of align to yes. that. Like You open up your palate. Right. And, and I have a, you know, I'm, and this is not to sound any sort of way, but I know I have a very strong palate. Most people don't start their night with 135 proof whiskey. And, and I do, I do because Lower proof whiskey tends to be less flavorful or because of more water inside of a whiskey, I don't, I just don't sense the flavor. And it's not about the alcohol content. It's about a punch of flavor. I want my whiskey. And I think people aren't as strict and have high enough expectations of what their whiskey should be doing. And, and I get different strokes for different folks, but if you're consuming whiskey, my opinion is that it should tell a story. And I get, I respect that there's all different, you know, places for different types of whiskey. But for me, a whiskey should have a story to tell. It's, you may drink whiskey every night if that's your thing. You may drink it once a week, once a month, whatever. But whatever, whenever you're consuming it, I think we have to get out of the headspace of consuming to consume. I think, I mean, at least for me, I don't give a shit what people do. But for me, I want to get out of 
the habit of consuming to consume. I want to consume and I want to enjoy it. I, I don't understand even like where people like the fast food, you got to eat, you got to eat. But to really enjoy a meal, to sit back and just really thoroughly enjoy every layer of that meal. Mm-hmm. I, I want this. I want whiskey to be an experience. I don't want to just get shit face. I mean, who doesn't right. like a good buzz? But whiskey should, for me, I want it to be so much more. And so I just hold whiskey to really high expectations. And if it doesn't meet that, I just won't drink it. But it doesn't mean that I I can't talk to you about it or tell, you know, the next person about it. And one of the big ones for me right now, and I've talked about it time and time again, but it's, it's just a very clear, you know, whiskey in this realm is barrel seagrass. Mm-hmm. I don't like barrel seagrass, but I totally respect what barrel seagrass is. Seagrass has a story. There's a start, there's a middle, there's an end. It tells a story. There's flavors and the flavors are very bold and it's got that hug and it's got spice. I respect everything it is, but it's not what I appreciate in flavors. I'm, I don't mm-hmm. like minty, herbaceous, salty. That's not how I like my whiskey. But I would know probably half a dozen to a dozen people that I know would love and who do love that right. bottle. Not that yeah. I would shit on it because I would never shit on it because I think it's a premium spirit that deserves to be talked about. Yeah, it's it, it's right here. I, I'm, I'm one of the people who does love it. It's, it's over your shoulder. I, 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 it's, it is, it's right there. It's gone too. It's right next to a New Year's bottle. And then it's right next to what yep. looks like a single barrel, which is right next to. It's, it's a, 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 the rye. Ah, yeah. I, I really love their, their, their ryes are fantastic. And I like rye, but I'm like, anything, have, I'm very persnickety about rye. I haven't had anything from them that I haven't, that I've disliked. And like mm-hmm. the, the nerdy side of me absolutely enjoys who they are because they come out of a tech world. Like the, the their CEO is a, is a former software guy and yeah. their blending center is in a former IBM lab where they oh, had I didn't servers. Even know that. I, I love that. Yeah. No, it, I, I it's love the nerd that. in me that loves it. Yeah. I love what they do. I love, I love blending. I think blending yep. is so cool because I mean, you can distill and as a, a distillery, um, a distiller, you know, um, I I was watching the, there was a live with Mike from Blue Run before I hopped on here. And he goes, you know, we, we, we don't care about age. We taste a barrel. And if Jim Rutledge says it's ready, it's ready. It doesn't matter how old it is. If it's ready, it's ready. And we, we trust his experience, his palate and everything he's been through to say, whatever the age is in the barrel, it's ready. Um, and as a distillery, you can, you have the ability and taste barrels and taste barrels and go, you know what? It needs more time. It needs more time. Blenders, they don't have control. I mean, I'm, I assume they get to taste things before they purchase them. Right. But you, you have all these barrels and you may not have the space that you could keep a barrel on a shelf for the next six to 10 years right. and hold on to it. But then you've got to figure out, okay, this barrel, what do we want this, this, this one to say, you know, we're, we, we're going to blend it. What do we want this bottle to say? And, you know, this one's a little minty, this one's a little smoky. And then you're playing with all, you know, this, 
And I think that's why, besides Beryl, I really love the Joseph Magnus Cigar Blend. First of all, Girl Power Nancy with Fraley. Nancy Fraley at the helm of that. I, I just, she, I super dig her. She's one of the coolest, just like normal people ever. But you have to think about there's Sherry, Cognac, Armagnac. It's like there's so much going on. Right. And and she it just it's like I said, it it tells a story. And and I totally love, and I'll 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 back up and say I totally love, you know, you know, a benchmark foolproof where it's just it is what it is, and it's it that's what it is. I totally respect that, and I'll drink that, and I'll mm -hmm. drink, you know small batches and single barrels, but I just, I have to have my go-to whiskeys have to have more substance to them. They have to have, um, Oh, Ian texted me. The four roses was from Spain. Spain. <laughs> you, you didn't even mention that particular country, but you mentioned like four other I mentioned like a hundred others. I don't yeah. know. I he, don't. He had, he had to make sure that he gave you the right yeah. information. Well, he usually he's that. like in, in like the, you know, the corner here and saying, no, it's this. Right. <laughs> he was trying to give you space. He was like, hey, I'm going to give you a little space. He keeps me on track. But, you know, I think we need to, we have, we have people in the community in, um, in, for example, the Instagram world that we have to remember they get bottles for free and they get samples for free. And, and I, you know, I get some things from time to time myself. Um, you, if I get something, my, my personal way of doing things, if I get something and I do not like it, you won't see about it. I, I, I won't, I won't bad mouth a, a product. I, I just think that's disrespectful um, because I, I know what it's, I know what it's like to work for a smaller company who's trying to build you know, a brand and, mm -hmm. and play a small role in, in this big, huge ocean. <laughs> I know what that's like. So I'll never badmouth a product, but I, I will never post praise about a product that I don't enjoy and respect, but I don't think that there's a lot of people in this space that have that type of integrity. No, I, I think you're exactly right. And I, I, I try to look at it from the lens of it might not be my cup of tea, but it's probably going to be somebody. Somebody is going to enjoy this. It's kind of like what you were just saying about sea, seagrass is that yeah. you, you don't particularly like it, but you yeah. know people who love it. And that's yeah. that's the, the thing that it's about. It. And, and you were talking about blending versus aging. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm with you. And I think that there's a cat that is just bothering me now. Just like, um, I don't know, like it's not even your cat. No, no, no. Well, I hope it's our cat. Right. We, we have a oh, cat. You say it like it's just, whoa, where'd this cat come from? Well, I mean, it could be a random, I mean, like my wife just came in the door. So it could be a random cat that followed her in. I have no idea. You we are in the country. Correct. Yeah. But be a barn cat. I think we don't have any barn cats. So if so, it's completely feral, but <laughs> I think that rabies tonight. You're assuming I don't already have it. Like, we have raccoons and possums. Come on. You're getting in your house? No, no, no. In the in the just in the you random just yard. Your doorways. Yeah, we have we have chickens. Like we do have chickens. And so that brings on predators. Are they just um, to look at? They're they're sort of for eggs, but they're really like a biology experiment for our children. Like it's it, 
you learn a lot of things like both of our children absolutely children's both of our children's both yeah. our children's i gotta slow down on the bluegrass uh distillers here but um <laughs> the both of our children will like our chickens they they do chicken things they're like oh look the chickens are mating and so it's just like a there's there's a, how old are your kids one is 11 and one is eight and they still use that term and I'm letting her go into middle school using that term that will also potentially be what she uses when, if she refers to human beings, because yeah. it may decrease the chances of any concern. Cause you hope that if she's using the term mating, that she's only going to be using it for procreation, not for any enjoyment. You know, I, 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 want, I want her to enjoy her life to the fullest. Our, our uh, bare threshold is if we can make it to Christmas of their senior year of high school with no children and no arrests, we've succeeded. Like that's our, that's how we've made it. Because even if something were to happen, like if they got arrested at Christmas of their senior year of high school with arraignment and trials, like they're out of high school by the time that's over, right? Like you don't have to deal right. with that. Damn. What, what's happened in your family? I feel like that's some shit I would have said. You know, if I can make it to senior year, at least like March without any arraignments scheduled, Look, I'll probably graduate. It's, it's, it, it's, the, it's the minimum threshold of success. That's where we're at. Like, we want more for our children, but that's the yeah. minimum threshold. Like, they're both smart kids. My wife is way smarter than me, and so they're super intelligent, reading beyond their levels, doing all you of those things. You said you're in software. I'm sure you're... Very smart. Oh, see, when I say my wife is smarter than me, people automatically assume I'm saying I'm stupid. I'm not saying I'm stupid. I, I feel like she's I am. really smart. Aside from the decision to marry me, she's a very, very, very smart, smart human being. <laughs> my wife just yelled up, you're full of crap. I don't know if she's watching this or what she's doing. Yeah, That's a, up she's, here. She's never, ever listened to or watched an entire episode of anything I've done in a year and a half. And that's like, I don't push it on her. Like nobody in my family knows I do it. Not because I'm ashamed of it, just because I don't need them to be like, oh, we're watching because we support you. Like, I'm like, you're interested, don't you support watch. this. Like, if you're interested, you watch. If you're not interested, please don't. So yeah. I don't, I don't my, do this. My, my fam family doesn't know that I do any of this, but I don't think that they know like what Instagram is. Right. So, like, I don't come from, like, a tech... I don't even know if my parents have internet. My parents are just... They're not those types What of part people. of Tennessee are they in? No, no. My my parents live up in the Flint area. Okay. I, I think if they have internet, it's only for my... Because my nephews live with them. Mm hmm But um, my, I don't think they have a computer. Um, and I think if my dad... So, my dad... My dad's a truck driver. Mm -hmm. He's retired now. But they forced them to use tablets instead of logbooks. Yep, my, my father-in-law is a gas truck driver, so I'm, I'm so he this. um he filed a grievance with himself because he's his own union steward, and then he put in for his retirement and said that he wasn't going to be using any type of tablet because he went like like a couple of years without using it, and he was like, "I'm not using it." And then they were like, "Yeah, it's a company mandate." He goes, "Well, then I'm." I'm retiring. He filed a grievance with himself. Because he's the union steward. <laughs> I, I am absolutely on board with that. 100%. So my, my parents are not technology people. I don't mm -hmm. even think my parents know what I do for like work. 
Like, I don't think they have any idea what my job is. And I've tried really, to, to be honest with you. Most days I don't know what it is either. I, I know what my job is, but for nine, I've, I've been with this company almost 10 years and I have tried to explain yeah. to my family what I do. Yeah. And I'm in agricultural software. Uh, that's it. it but and they're like, doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't, but there's, there's a lot more to it than that, but they're, well, they're uh, always like, wait, like the things that are in tractors that are the monitors that you can see stuff. And I'm like, no, that's not at all what we do. And I don't after even about, know what that is. After, well, in most tractors, they have like a unit. It can self-drive. Like it can do all of its own oh. things. And they just sort of. So it's like the Tesla it. of John Deere's. This has been around for 10 years. So yeah, it's been around for They're a while. Like but it, Elon Musk. It's like it's like far safer because the the worst thing you run over is a fence, right? But finally, after five years of being like, no, that's not it. I just like, yeah, that's that's exactly what we do. We work we work on those things. That's that that's that that's all it is. You know. Bingo, you got it. Right. So I've worked for the same company for about eight or nine years now, and I've just had like twenty different jobs within the company. So there's just no point in trying to explain it. Same. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and my mom one day was like, do you still work at the chocolate shop? <laughs> and I was like, mom, I haven't worked there since I was like 24. <laughs> Sometimes it's just easier to say yes. Sometimes well, I was before. So now I work in the dental industry. Before then, mm -hmm. I, I was a chocolatier, which is really kind of funny. I went like an actual chocolatier. Yeah, it was actually a chocolatier. Okay, so this makes so much more sense of like your connection to food and beverage. And oh, whatever. so I, I went to culinary school for a short stint. I did. I, I did some, if, some time. If I were to win the lottery, that is absolutely would go to culinary school. Like that would be a thing I would just and not even to like work in it, just to go. Yeah, it's it's it was it was a amazing experience. Um, I I didn't get to finish. Because I have ADD and I was like, ooh, I should do this instead. Right. So while I was in culinary school, I worked um, I worked at a yacht club and um, hated every moment of that. But I learned a lot of things. And like most people just let women carry 200 pound chafing dishes and not care. Right. Uh, but no, it was a great experience. And then I went and I was a chocolatier for a couple of years and found the company that I work at now. And I actually answered an ad on Craigslist, which was really, um, you can't say that now because people be like, you, you can answer an ad on Craigslist, but you're not getting a, not that kind of job from it. No, I, mean, like I actually getting... found a career out of it. Right. Well, I mean, some <laughs> people are still finding careers. Well, yeah, a legit career that I can get, you know, a tax statement from. Well, I mean, like, yeah, legit is, 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 is a bit of a misnomer. Like, you know, there are certain trades that have been around since the existence of man that may still be illicit. But That's true. Um, Selling dental supplies. I don't sell them, but I support the people that do. Did they, <laughs> did they hire you because you had generated business for them already by being a chocolatier. You're like you've given problem. everyone cavities. Yeah. This is just like, the next progression. Yeah. No, I, I don't even know that I had that on my resume. Somehow I got that job. So before then I was in ophthalmology and I was actually an ophthalmo ophthalmolic technician and I assisted on putting needles in people's eyes. Oh, that's. Yeah. Well, it was nice it talking was so to you. Cool. I'm gonna have to go now. Nope, I can't. I can't. The the 
So I, well, the fun part was when I did, um, I did photography. I actually took mm -hmm. pictures of, um, of the back of the eye. I took yep. pictures of retinas. And then um, I would also do um, low radiation scans of the back of the eye looking for diabetic retinopathy and macular degeneration and tears. And what do you know about uveitis? Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, I've so, heard of uveitis, but, but I, I've it firsthand. I, I don't know that the technology that I use can find uveitis. I think that's more from a physical exam. Correct. Right. So, so my mother has suffered from that. And so she had okay. to have fluid drawn off of her eye with a needle. Mm -hmm. And so th that's the reason, like when you're like, ah, it's needles and eyes, like I'm immediately out because I know this is what my future is. Cause I get all my terrible medical things from her. Mm -hmm. So I know there's going to be a needle in my eye at some yeah. point in time. And I, I distinctly remember this really terrible Steven Seagal movie whenever I was younger. And one of the tortures was like somebody was going to get a needle jammed in their eye and they're going to heat oh. the needle up and it was going to blow up the eyeball, like in just the worst way. And that vision of a needle going towards an eyeball haunts me to this day. I am 41 years old and I probably watched that whenever I was 14 and it well, just it's not bad. We yeah. numb the eye before we do I, it. It's, it's not the, no, no, no. It's not the pain. Right. So I wouldn't want to, I don't even like needles. I, you, I would usually look away. I would, I would do that thing. So I only got Wait, that. You were poking needles in people while you were looking somewhere else? I, no, I didn't know. I assisted <laughs> the doctor. He was the needle poker. Okay. I was the assistant. I only got that task because they said I was fast on the computer because uh. I was like 20 years younger than everybody that worked there. They're like, Hey, go into the OR, scrub up. Because you're fast on computers. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and so I'm like assisting in this. So I would just like find a spot on the on the wall and just like, I'd be like, oh, it's okay, old lady. And then I'd go like. <laughs> don't look. Don't look. No. Mm -mm. But it was, there was only one, there was only one time where something happened where I, I ended up feeling icked out. But yeah. No, and it's somebody it's, moved. It's it's not like a pain thing. Like this is really taking a turn, but I'm here for somebody it. We're, moved. We're, we're oh, that's it's the moment like like whenever somebody puts a needle into something, like you know how whatever it is, it like gives a little bit, like it creates a dimple and then it pops back. That specific moment is the part that bothers bothers me about needles more than anything else. Is like the yeah. the skin's like, I'm not gonna give, I'm not gonna give, and then it pops back out. Nope. Yeah. So what we do is you take, um, so you put like a lid speculum in their eyes, so their mm -hmm. eye stays open. Mm -hmm. And then you take a caliper mm -hmm. and you measure from the outermost part of the iris to where you, you need to get into the, the, the eye. So with Lucentis, Lucentis is a, a chemical. It's a medication that you put in the eye for people who have wet macular degeneration mm -hmm. and it dries it up. So you put in a, like a small hole in the eye, like with the caliper, and then you put the injection in that. But it's funny because I mean, a lot of people have wet macular degeneration, but my dad actually gets the same injections. He has wet Mac gen, mm -hmm. which, um, he gets the same injections that I used to support, like help put people in people's eyes. He's not ever like, Hey, can we just bypass the doctor and you can do this at the house for me? Nope. At the house. You're still from the south. Hey, yeah. we do this at the house. Yeah, we don't I don't, I don't, the house. I don't want to go into town for this. You gonna be in the, in down at the house? Yep. Yep. Be absolutely. Out. I mean, I could have said the garage, but I feel like that's not clean enough. Like the garage is not where you want to be for this. 
No, you want to be in the house, but also I've been to all the houses of my family in Tennessee. I think I want to be in the garage. (laughs) So So, you're saying they maintain the garage better than their house. They love their cars. Well, yeah, I mean, that you got to keep it safe. It's you pay a lot of their cars what, probably cost more than their houses. What was is this in East Tennessee? So, um, I don't know directions right now, but they were outside of Chattanooga. Okay, yep, East Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the, the cutest little town, Saudi Daisy. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have to say that with the twang. They're from Saudi Daisy, but there were some issues, there were some town issues, and Half the town is Saudi, half the town is Daisy. Because they had some sort of battle. Is this like a is this like a Hatfield and McCoy situation, or is this like a Civil War situation? I don't think it was Civil War. Uh, not, not Civil War, but like a Civil War type situation. You know, I don't. Like, I don't think it was that deep. I think it was like I'm drunk. Oh, you're drunk. Oh, we're okay. splitting up. Yeah, absolutely. I will be looking at this later on because this is just an interesting. My in-laws are from West Tennessee, Southwest Tennessee, on okay. the other side of the state. But the reason I said that is that East Tennessee and East Kentucky have a very, very similar vibe where you're likely to see a fifty or sixty thousand dollar house or fifty or sixty thousand dollar car sitting in the driveway of a house with holes in the roof. Like, yeah, it just is a regular occurrence, and so it makes sense that the 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 garage may be in better condition than. Yeah. The, the 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 actual inside of the house would be yep yeah that's no different actually that's how that's how detroit is too but it's usually because like five family members go in on one car together right and then their house is like barely standing but they have a brand new escalade <laughs> it's like how did that happen it's not abnormal to see like a hundred thousand dollar car in the driveway of like an eighty thousand dollar house right yeah, and you're looking in a metropolitan area where an eighty thousand dollar house in a rural area is like a thirty thousand dollar house. Like right. That's yeah. The thing that people have to adjust, like my, my local friends would be like, eighty thousand dollars house, it's that's not terrible, but that's because yeah. it, it's it's nothing. So I joined the um I joined the the YouTube and it looks like you're a brutal landlord. I'm. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I did start with. Um, well, you're just you know, buying all your family's houses. Evicted my grandmother, and then you know, yeah, my, my parents. Poor Nana's out there in the street. She's like, it's Nana. cold in the barn. Look, she, she Nana was a pharmacist. Nana ain't got no problems. Don't, oh, even, don't even worry yeah, about Nana. She's like highfalutin in the the home. Well, I mean, Kentucky pharmacist. So I mean, we don't want to go that far. I, a pharmacist is a pharmacist is a pharmacist. Actually, yeah. Like, well, if I phrase it as Kentucky pharmacist, that might have a different context. Yeah, I was like, Who's a licensed practice? Pharmacy is she running? Right. Yeah. No. 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 Not that kind. Mm-hmm. Not the kind from your house. The kind where you actually go to a store that has a, you know, legal ability. To, to, this is getting worse. Um, so I'm going to backtrack a whole lot. We're going to go okay. way, way back. We're um, rewinding. We're, we were talking about blending and aging a long time ago. <laughs> Alcohol, whiskey, not drugs. Yeah, I'm, legal you know, or I don't, illegal. I, I'm not trying to monetize, but I'm also not trying to get shut down either. <laughs> like he's talking about drugs. What's going I would be the down? person that would come on here and get you shut down. You if know, anyone's gonna do it, it would it, be me. If it's if it's not you, maybe it's Alan. I don't know. One of maybe both. Like he started it, and I'm just like finish right. him. They were already looking at me, and they were like, "Hey, you know." And I, I, I squoze a Tim and a, a Jack in the middle. But, anyways, <laughs> I think 
per- personally, I think that blending blending and um, aging in secondary barrels is the future of bourbon in the United States. And we have these, you, you talked about age statements being part of the problem. You know, like the it, master blenders are just going to put together, this tastes really good and it's worth $100, drink it. And, it, and it's true. Yeah. Um, in, in Europe and Scotland and England and Ireland, the master blender means far more than the distiller does because they're creating that blend. But they also come with, if it doesn't have a 10 year age statement, it's probably not going to be good. But the difference is like they, they live in a world of second use barrels and significantly different climate where you have to have 10 years to get past a significant grain flavor. And I, I'm with you. Like I'm, I'm on board with what Penelope is doing and what Barrel is doing, and and to some degree what Smoke Wagon, like these blenders, Nancy Fraley out, out, out with Joseph Magnus and every other thing she works on. Like, yeah. If I trust what they're doing, and they say it's a hundred and fifty dollar bottle, let's go. Let's let's see what they've got because um, aging to 10, 12, 20 years, that's gone. Like we're we're not going to be able to do that a ton anymore. The reason we have. 20 year product available to us right now is because nobody gave a shit about bourbon in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. And I think you have to also to look at the people we're talking about, you know, smoke wagon, Aaron, Nancy Fraley, Penelope. So Mike and, and barrel like these people are not there. If you think about the people that they are, they're not the people that you hear about that are kind of perpetuating this cutthroat bourbon industry. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not necessarily people that even came from the bourbon world. None of them did, actually. You right. got Barrel that you said, you know, IT, techie, software people. Um, Nancy Fraley came from the Cognac and Armagnac world. Mike from Penelope, I can't recall what he was doing, but he wasn't born and bred in, right. in whiskey. And and Aaron from Smoke Wagon was in the bar industry. Yeah, and his, and his partner them, was in the movie industry, right? Yeah, not any of them came from their grandpappy's recipe, which mm-hmm. there's no knock on that, but right. that's a whole different thing. You know, their grandpa's such and such recipe that's been handed down for 150 years of years and years of distilling and and product product creation i think with them you automatically walk into and that's why i like blue run too you automatically walk in and say i feel like there's even more authenticity because you walked into this knowing i'm gonna have to prove myself i don't have a last name to protect me I don't have this long lineage of all these bourbon distilleries I've worked for, worked with. I've kind of got to create something really fucking delicious because if I don't out of the gate, they're going to laugh me out of wherever. Well, And not just that, but they're coming in to this, you know, if your last name is Bean or No or something yeah. like you may be coming into this because it's expected. But if you're coming from the tech world, if you're coming from healthcare, you're coming from like, why did you end up here? Did you just pick a segment and say, this here. is where I want to be? Yeah. Tim, or did Tim you come in? Hook. 
I think yeah, Pinhook is a great one to even bring to bring in. Which he comes from the culinary world, so that's an e. I feel like that's a an easier. I feel like transition. it's a lot easier of a transition, but I also I I realize I was watching. Um, oh gosh, I can't remember hashtag Bourbon. I cannot remember his first name, but I was watching a live where he was. Um, he went on with Blake from Sealbox, and he was talking about pinhook and what that actually meant and why they chose that name and it's like well damn i didn't even realize that and how cool is that because you know it's not about the horse racing it's about the horse right and that's what a pinhook is and and i didn't and i didn't know that mm -hmm. and they're a great one i think to add add to this mix and and i i really appreciate what what these people are doing because they're they're giving a lot for the distilleries and while i respect that they get to choose you know they get to go into mgp or castle and key or whomever they're buying their bourbon from and they get to choose the barrels but they're still choosing barrels that they didn't make mm -hmm. they're choosing barrels that are saying these are to our standards we're either gonna put them in our warehouse blend them together or with Nancy Fraley's situation, she's going to put them in, you know, Armagnac, Sherry, Cognac, Cask, and we're going to see what's going to happen. You have, with any situation, you have no idea what's going to happen when you start putting things in other barrels. No idea. Right. You have no... Experience. It could suck. It could be terrible, right? Like, it's and a huge With risk. anything, even if you were distilling the product, you know, like with Starlight, they're distilling and then they're putting in... In other barrels, you have no idea what these things are going, going to turn out into. So you're at the same, you're at the same point as any other distillery, but you have a lot more overhead and you have a lot less people buying into your brand. So you're almost, you know, not like say worse off, but there's a lot more on the line. And especially yeah. if you don't come from this world. If you haven't worked at every other distillery and bounced around from every place in Kentucky, which is normal and no knock on that, but it, but that's what normal people in the business do. Mm -hmm. If you've worked at Wild Turkey, you've worked, you know, at Jim Beam, you've worked at, you know, Buffalo Trace, you've, you've done your rounds. It, it's very normal to follow that succession to wherever you decide to land, you know, in, in your glory years, so to say, or you're from the family of, of, you know, the beam Brussels, you know, and so on and right. so forth. Um, so I respect so much of what they're doing because not only do you have a lot less control, but you don't have these big, huge corporations to fall back on. And I know like specifically with uh, I've watched enough of Aaron's lives uh, from from Smokewagon to follow what he does. And I would assume at a scalable level, like what Pinhook is having to deal with now, what Barrel is having to deal with now, they're not tasting every barrel they purchase. Yeah. They're getting a phone call from a barrel broker that says we have we have 100 barrels that are all six years old and they're this mash build. Do you want them? Yeah. And you may purchase them, you know, sight unseen so to speak yeah, semi-blindly and when you when they show up they may be terrible they may be good you have no idea there may be one out of 40 barrels that are worthwhile for you and you have to hold the rest of them um, but you work your way through them and this is where the the blender comes in mm -hmm. 
so important. And that, you know, I've got the, the guys from Penelope are going to join me in a month or two because I want to talk to them about this specifically. Yeah. But like you, you, you taste these series of barrels and you say, okay, well, I, there's a flavor here and there's a flavor here and there's a flavor here. And if I put these together, I may get something. And there's a distinct art form. You're like distilling is an art form, right? It, yeah. it absolutely is. And aging is an art form, but can, Kentucky bourbon and whiskey in the North America specifically has not done a whole lot towards blending or given even respect to blending like right. blended whiskey almost is a dirty word in the United States. But I think that's not going to be the case in the very near term future because, you know, that's the only way you're going to be able to get new and unique flavors and be able to do a, a ton of things. But like saying, okay, this one, I think this one has an off taste, but there's three flavors in here I really like, and I can cover it with this other one. Like being able to put that together, there's an artistry there, and and we're going to start seeing more and more of that. And that's that's where the future, I think, of bourbon goes mm-hmm. in the United States if bourbon stays up. You know, if it doesn't get replaced with American single malt whiskey or Armagnac yeah. or cognac or whatever else. I, I don't, me personally, I, I with my very little experience of watching this trend move, I, I think it's going to take quite a bit of time for bourbon to not be, to start to decline. Mm-hmm. Um, I think bourbon's going, going to fluctuate and I think we are going to be more open to blending or at least I, I personally believe we need to be right. Um, not everything can be of a purest thing. Cause like you said, you know, scotch and, and other whiskeys blending is what you do. You do not, not blend other types of whiskeys and mm-hmm. it is an art form and it might be a little, <laughs> you know, a little dramatic to say, but I feel like you have these distilleries and they're creating the paint and then these blenders are going through and, and creating the, the painting and it's, it's writing a story. And, and I, that's what I think that I, I love so many blended pieces, many blended bourbons, whiskeys is because alone, I think the whiskey, the bourbon would have been really good, but all together it just it's writes this it writes this the story and bluegrass specifically and i've had people tell me like these analogies of of all of this and and i i'm a little bit jaded and i feel like a lot of it is bullshit because i haven't i don't have that like spiritual thing about me i don't have the ability to see things like metaphorically like a lot of people can but when I tried the bluegrass when we first got it, it was like, I get it. It's it's like waves. Like the the water's like out, and then like the waves come up, they crash into you, and then they kind of go up. Or like as you watch fog come across water. And it's like it sounds like total bullshit, but when you sit down and have a whiskey that makes you think of things like that, you'll find whiskeys that are like damn, like, I guess it wasn't bullshit. That's kind of awesome how that did that. So you, you just said that you, you don't have that spiritual portion of it, but then you described. I know something really. There's a kind of. ain't no bitch, okay? Hold on, hold on. Let me, oh. let me go back to this. Where did I write this down? Um, <laughs> you, you said something along the lines of, I'm, I'm a difficult person or a complicated person. I can't remember what it was. I'm, I'm all of those. I'm hard to please. 
that's what it was. I'm hard to please, yeah. right? But that can come with complication. That's 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 a unique thing. <laughs> you added the complicated yourself, okay? <laughs> Gosh, stop <laughs> touching me. Or maybe Ian sent that to me on the side, and he was like, "She's complicated." You know, I, I am. No, he didn't send that. I'm not. I'm ornery. I'm complicated. I'm not a morning person. I'm literally the worst. I'm the worst. You know, I think you would. I think I would disagree with that. I mean, you're not. You're not planning trips with your family because somebody's gonna die soon. So you know, you don't. No, get to I'm just the worst avoiding there. them, and then just send me the invite when they do die. <laughs> What's worse? I don't know. At least you're celebrating life while they're alive. You know. You know, there, 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 there's, I guess maybe there's some benefit to that. Yeah. Um, somebody asked way earlier, have you ever used any nosing kits? I have never used a nosing kit. No, but um, there is a really fantastic, um, it's actually a fragrance shop mm -hmm. in Detroit. And um, they are just super amazing. They make their own custom fragrances and, um, they put they've put on for myself and then as well for my group they've done a um a mo molecular um tasting and nosing course about whiskey mm -hmm. so we um so ian and i did it together and then i did it separately with female whiskey society and i'm planning on hosting another one with with the ladies here in the next couple of months so what you do is um the owner is a chemical engineer and by trade. So he used to work in automotive um, chemical engineering and he quit and opened up a fragrance shop and it's called Suf Motto and it's in Detroit. So they're a fragrance shop by day and a cocktail bar by night. So they make the fragrances and then at night they make cocktails and they pair their fragrance, fragrances with all of their cocktails. So you'll either get one of their fragrances sprayed on a napkin or sprayed on like a ribbon and wrapped around the stem of their glass. And um, so he's hosted a couple of classes for us. So what he'll do is he'll send you a half a dozen bourbons or uh, whiskeys, sorry, not bourbons, but whiskeys. And then he will send you the chemical form that makes up the scent that you smell or you taste in, in that whiskey. So um, I believe, and I may be wrong, um, ethyl acetate, if I re recall correctly, is essentially banana. And that is why you taste and smell banana in Jack Daniels, because it is one of the highest concentrations of chemicals in their whiskey. So like those are the things you go over in this class is you smell the chemical, you smell the whiskey, and you taste it, and then you kind of go back and forth. But besides that, um, nosing kits I've, I've never done, but I've done a couple of, of his, his courses. So what it sounds like to me is that you and Sufmato need to create a female whiskey society nosing kit. Mm. You could then I've, I've actually talked to him about nosing kits, um, before in the past, because like I, I've seen the nose your bourbon. It's a fantastic mm -hmm. kit, but I'd love something more molecular. I, I'm right. I'm a chemistry nerd. I one of my short stints in my life is I was going to school for chemical engineering. Um, so I did that for a short time being, and then I got bored of that. So before whiskey, I was really into beer. And so I want I've always wanted to work in fermentation, um, but necessarily more like geared towards uh the beer industry. Um, so I'm 
total nerd as far as that. And I've actually talked to him about doing a chemical forward nosing kit. And mm -hmm. it was something he had, he had interest in and he's doing really crazy things. We've gone in there. He's dehydrated spirits and then reconstituted them to make cocktails out of them. So that was, it's, he's doing some really cool stuff in, in his store. Um, but I, I, I don't, do I need more things to do? I'm just trying to add to the list. I'm just trying to help you any in here. Hey, I love. I'm a hustler. I want to. I love. Look. I don't need money. Like, I mean, who doesn't need money? Right. But like, I just love the opportunity to make more of it. Right. I mean, the more money you you make, the longer you can extend your trip to Thailand, by Bali. I'll just never and, come back. Well, I mean, you can just travel the world on your nose your kit bourbon, or nose your <laughs> nose your bourbon kit. Nose your kit. Right. <laughs> Knows um, your Eartha kit. One and, and one of the things that like you can add to it is that you know women evolutionarily, biologically are better tasters and smellers than than men are. So if you're signing off on it, like there's there's That's even more evidence. Right? I've not seen I've not seen the studies behind it, but I've had I've heard several people say that. Uh, I've actually so uh, that was part of what <laughs> the, the episode I did a year ago. I talked about that a little bit and just kind of okay. dug into the science because. I, I follow a similar vein where once I get into a thing, I'm like, oh, now I've got to, I've got to know all the things. And then whenever I'm like, I can't understand this, then I'm like, Hey, uh, wife, I need you to read this and then explain it to me. Like I was eight. So yeah. I can understand can you it. Bring because, it down a few grade levels. Right. Yeah. Like I need you to go and read this, you know, <laughs> this, this, this scientific white paper and then give it to me. Like I'm a common person. So it, it is, there, there's a lot of science behind it and why it happened evolutionarily. Like you, you're ultimately responsible for, you know, potentially feeding another human being. And so evolutionarily you become more sensitive to potential off flavors or negative flavors, which means you're also going to be heightened for good and positive flavors yeah. because you're wanting to make sure that offspring live forever, right? Like at least as long as they can. Um, but you, you said something and it triggered a question. How, mm -hmm. how many different majors and or areas did you attempt in college? Well, I started out, my first stint at college was elementary education with a specialization in autism. Oh, no, no. Back up. Okay. Hold on. Okay. First one was clinical psychology with a specialization in autism. I, I just, I have an affinity for that. I have two nephews with autism and I just, it was something I was extremely drawn to. Um, then I came home and then I went into early childhood education. That's two. And then I left again. And I don't know what I was doing in that time. Probably nothing. Probably just drinking a lot. And then I, what did I do from there? Oh, God. I know I did chemical engineering. I did that for a while. I did culinary. And then I did just, I just did education again. So maybe ish five ish. I think I counted six in there, but okay, we'll, six. We'll, I mean, whatever. Well, I guess I mean you can go back. You can go back to five because the final one was sort of a summation of the first I mean, that you talked about: education, psychology, and in engineering. Right. Well, the, there, there is no, there's no shade there because I don't know how long you went to college. I went to college. For I had like. 800 credits and not one goddamn thing. I could not graduate tomorrow if my I would they would give me like an associate because they felt bad for me. 
No, I, I literally had like a like 180 to 200 credits when I graduated with my. I have a shit ton of credits, but I have nothing to get me anywhere. It was so one of those I, things no, where I got I, a college degree. I have nothing, nothing, nothing. You just you get a gen, there, there's a general studies degree. They can give you a general. I tried. Studies. I didn't have enough credits. Not in any one thing because it for a general studies I had so much so many credits in culinary. They don't mm -hmm. go towards general studies. They uh, give you like eight credits, and they're like, okay, that'll do. Like they're like, we don't we don't accept that. There, as there's not enough of a transfer for for culinary no. there, but no. It was, it was one of those things that I went back and I got my master's degree solely so I could prove oh my to myself. God, like, I my master's in no, 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 no. This, this, this is a petty. This is a petty degree. This is a petty degree that I got. I got it to prove to myself that I could actually finish a degree like on time mm -hmm. and but with you decent a masters. You clearly finished the first one. I have nothing after ten years. So I went for years. ten years. It, I got a bullshit. I got a bullshit business degree. Like it, you could probably it, take like four courses and be done with it. It's something. Oh, it's, I, I, I may have went. No, I don't think I went for business. That sounds like something I should have gone for. Yes, that, Tim Evans said it, and it is absolutely correct. There is some school that you can transfer to, and you will get a. They will graduate. You so sure. there's um a bunch of like bullshit schools around here, and there's these like. I don't know if you've ever seen like the SNL skits form where they talk about like Everest and you can go for like dope shopping and yep. no, I, I worked for a bullshit school for a period of time as a financial aid counselor. And it was less than a year. And I was like, I feel terrible about doing this job because we are literally just taking people's money and handing them paper back. Yeah. That's what you do. I mean, I, I feel like there's so much experience I got out of it. I, I just, I didn't enjoy, even though I went for a really long time, I didn't enjoy going to school. Mm -hmm. And when I went away to college, I just never went. Like I just, I went, but then I just like slept a lot. I just, I think I went there for the cafeteria and to nap. Most, most schools have this pesky thing where they expect you to show up well, for they classes. Don't, they don't give a fuck if you show up. But you're they give a fuck if you don't show up for two semesters. Like if you don't show up for anything for two semesters, because oh, yeah. they have this problem where they've got to like manage their retention rates and make sure students are advancing academically or the, the, the federal, the federal government starts looking at them for funding and they're like, wait, you don't have an, so it's not that they really care. They're just like, you're going to cut off our money. And so that's how I learned that like, if you don't show up for a year, then they're like, Hey, you got to take a break from school for a year. Oh, they just put me on academic probation and made me. That go. was after the first semester. The first semester was academic probation. Then there's yep. an academic suspension. Second, well, that first semester I did fine. Second semester I was on academic probation. Back to back academic <laughs> probation. And then I went to a community college. So what I think is more important is how many colleges did I go to? Because I think that's more than three how many. Four. I think I hit three or four. I can't remember what the number was. Oakland, Mott. OCC was it only three? I feel like it was more. I don't know. Oh, but how many did I apply for? Because then I was like gonna go to Wayne for a BA, and then I was like, mm, I have to fill out paperwork, and I'm kind of tired today. <laughs> There's <laughs> I a think lot of I got accepted here. to like eight schools, but I only actually physically went to three. Right. There, there's there's a lot of correlation here. I I, I feel this. 
deeply. And we're all drinking whiskey on a Wednesday night, coping with our feelings. Right. Absolutely. But you know, there's there's successful careers here, like you know, obviously. And I will say that um, I I tell people it's a, a lot of luck, but I mean, I worked my ass off. And, and I, I really, really worked really, really hard. And I've treated the company that I work for as if it was my own company for the past seven, eight, nine years, however many years it's been. And I'm lucky that I signed on, even though it was a Craigslist ad, I signed on to a company that really exploded. And um, I, I had a CEO that really is just really good at what he does. Mm-hmm. And, and so I feel very lucky, but I would not be where I am if it wasn't for um, putting in the work. At right. the end of the day, it's like, okay, uh, maybe I didn't put in the work for school, but I, I definitely put in the work. Um, it's just different. So then and, why are you using the term lucky? Like you put in the work. Like I know. Well, I think part of it is is your, your, your stars align and you're the right place at the right time. But if you don't, if you don't show up, then I think that's right. Like it, the, the luck part was being there. The, the rest of it is on you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and I think school is great for some people. Uh, I mean, Ian's very, very smart and has a, you know, master's as, as well. And mm-hmm. he's, there's a lot of places that I know around here that I could never walk in and get a job because mm-hmm. I don't have a piece of paper. Yeah. And that just seems insane to me. Because I think there's so many well-qualified individuals out there. And I think really college, all it says is that for four to eight years, you could Ten. sit in a, sit in a classroom. You showed up. That's This is the, the thing. In the short period of time that I uh, worked as a financial aid counselor for a shill of a university, um, and one of my wife's coworkers, who was very much a later in life, uh, non-traditional student, she, she was wanting to go back to school just to, to prove it to herself. And I was like, look, it doesn't really matter what university you go to with the exception of maybe like Harvard, Yale or MIT. Yeah. If yeah. you show up for every class, if you go to the teacher's classroom for or to the, the teacher's office for office hours and yeah. consult with them, you will get a C. Even if you fail everything, you'll get a C because you put in the effort, you showed up, you did all the things, and they say you're making a you know, progress. And C's get degrees. Like you, you, you'll finish. And she obviously, she ultimately did, and she was able to get a better job, even though it was a bullshit yeah. degree. They just saw the piece of paper, and that was the thing. Like yeah. these shill of a university, you could, you can find somewhere that will give you that piece of paper, but it doesn't yeah. make you a better employee. You yeah. make yourself the better employee. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, you know, nothing to do with bourbon, obviously, but I think, well, I think it actually is connected to bourbon because I'm one of those people that I'm a, I'm a loyalist and I think integrity is very, a very, very big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm of the mindset that um, I think you have to be very careful in this community I think there is a community, but I also think there's people that are using it for, for personal gain. Mm-hmm. And, and I totally respect those people that are looking to make this as, you know, to make money and a financial thing. I totally understand that. But I think with anything, you have to be very, very cognizant of the people around you and what their their motives are, regardless of what you're into, whether it's whiskey or, or whatever it is. 
Um, and, and I find that connects very directly to whiskey because I think there's a lot of people out here in this community that, um, or are influencers that maybe didn't get here very organically and they bought followers or they buy likes and they have bullshit um, tasting notes. But at the end of the day, what does, what does that get you? Where does that get you? A, a, a false sense of superiority. That's what, that's ultimately what it gets you. you know? Very false because really in actuality, your 20,000, 30,000, whatever thousand followers are just a bunch of fake people from another country that, and somebody said it and it was, it wasn't even anything to do with whiskey. And I heard it the other day and it says you can have X amount of followers on, on any social media platform and you have, but most of them, 90, whatever, 80, 99% of them, whatever percent of it, them, they're bystanders. Yep. They're bystanders and they're just sitting, whether they're, hopefully they're getting something positive out of what you're saying, mm -hmm. but they're just bystanders. And, and I think we put so, we put so much pressure, people in general and brands put a lot of pressure. I've had so many people tell me, well, we can't pay you this to promote our product because you don't have enough, you don't have X amount of followers or we normally pay this for this amount of followers and this amount of engagement. And it's like, well, that's fine. We don't have to work together. Not everyone's meant to work right. with each other, but it's like, we put so much pressure on these numbers. It's like, I could wake up tomorrow and have a hundred thousand followers. I, all I have to do is pay for them. Right. All yeah. I have to do is do a giveaway a week like some people do. And that's fine if you want to do giveaways. But I want people to get something from me and it not to be just to continue to take and take. Because there's so many people taking out there. Yep. So many people giving every little last bit piece of them. And it's like, but for what? Yeah, it's uh, Chris Chris Blattner, the urban bourbonist, and he's also the head of the bourbon charity organization. He and I had this conversation exactly where we were talking about, you know, whether you're an influencer or not and, and, and engagement. And I have an app that I keep on my phone. And luckily, nobody can accuse me of purchasing any uh, followers <laughs> because to purchase followers, you have to have, like the minimum purchase is a thousand and I don't have a thousand followers. So the, the benefit is that. No, no one can accuse me of purchasing anything, but I'm just know. cheap. So I'm never going to purchase anything I, for more I, bourbon. I guess. Let me, let me back up. I have purchased <laughs> followers, but not for myself. Yeah. So what that means, I'm not, not going to purchase followers, but I will tell you, I will purchase more bullshit to start a new business. <laughs> no, I, I, what happened was, is one of my, one of my wife's friends uh, was getting into TikTok just to screw with her kid just to screw with her kid. And she was okay. like, she told her kid, she was like, I bet I can get more followers in the next 10 days than you can. And so she was doing it organically. Like she was just trying to grow her own, just to screw with her kid because her yeah. teenage kid was like, That's no, I don't ever like, no, you couldn't ever do that. And I came across this information and I was like, I'm going to buy your followers. Absolutely. I'm going to buy you a thousand followers. Uh, see, I, that's like, that's not like a real like thing. I would totally do that. <laughs> right. But not I for myself. I didn't, I didn't tell anybody. I just did it. 
right? Yeah, there's nothing to do with you. But then I started feeling bad because I was like, well, I don't want her to like when these followers eventually fall off because that's what happens when you purchase followers. They eventually fall off. I don't want her to feel like like she's lost her platform. So I finally I was like, I fessed up to my wife. I was like, listen, here's what I did on my own. I she doesn't know about this. And she was like, okay, well I'll tell her. She told her and immediate message was like just a hand clap. Bravo <laughs> love. Cause we're just trying to fuck with the teenager that is trying to be shitty to their mom. Like I mean, that's, as, as soon as my kid gets on social media, I'm like, out. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Our children are so technologically um, deficient in an intentional fashion. Like, yeah, when we we did the thing, you know, whenever our, our our youngest child was born, when she got old enough to start like playing with devices, we bought her an iPad Mini, and she had it, and she was able to do stuff. And when the second mm-hmm. kid came along, then they had devices, they have you know things to do. One day we just didn't recharge the iPad. Yeah, and they know. never asked about it. Yeah, and our son, our son has a um, the Amazon one, the, the Kindle. Yeah, but he can only play games on it, but. He very rarely plays it. He likes video games. Yeah. And the, he's obsessed these, with Mario. These kids have no idea of technology. So I don't even worry about them being on social media because like the oldest child is, is into like competitive dance now because oh, she chose it. She decided she wanted to do it. Like it was one of those things. They sent the email. Like she's been doing dance. We were like, hey, you know, they sent an email. Do you want to do competitive dance? We were like, we were just telling her because we thought she would say no. We're gonna make the offer. And she's like, No, I want to try that. And I was like, Oh, backfire. <gasps> Buy no, so many leotards and tutus. Well, it's not even that. It's like we've got to leave her there for an extended period of time, which means she's mm-hmm. got to have a cell phone now Ooh. in case she needs to get a hold of us. Because we're not, I'm not sitting in the parking lot for three hours. No, I'm you going home. Give her one of those cricket phones. Right. She forgets it and forgets to charge it and like has no concept of it. She's, she's going to be in middle school next year. Like some of her friends yeah. have cell phones. She just doesn't get it. And I'm like, this is the best. Like, yeah. We- yeah, that that that's working out really well. So our son is five, so he's in kindergarten, and they're doing all of these like social media awareness courses in school. And it's like, okay, like I want my child to be aware, but at five, like, why do we need to introduce like so they like have these things where they draw pictures of them being good, like um good technology users and it's like oh i use my laptop only when mama and dada says i can and it's just like but they're five it's entirely because there is a a group of people who have a group of children who have unfettered access to technology at very very young young ages yep i I agree it's really my my wife is a teacher, and so we. Speaking we of, these comments are getting hot and sexy in here. Well, they've been here most of the night, but Tim was was moderating for me, and now he's gone. <laughs> so, or he, he may be here. I don't know, but uh, he just really wants us to see hot, sexy stripping without clothing, because yeah. yeah. usually that's what stripping is. They they, they should go away <laughs> at some point in time. I don't, I don't know, but I know what I'm doing later. <laughs> I mean, I can send you the link now that they're gone. I'll, I'll send you whatever link you need, I guess. Um, I mean, I have a, I have a strong feeling that you're going to get your identity stolen. Like that's what's going to happen. Hey, I got student loans for those 8,000 degrees. You, if you want to pay them, they are all yours. You can pretend. This is the best thing that 
that education does is like, you want to steal my identity? Fine. Take yeah. my 550 credit score. Good luck. <laughs> it's the only thing you can't file bankruptcy with the student loans. What the F is that about? But it's also the only thing that will not come out of your estate if you die. Oh, well, I don't plan on die. Okay, you're got this no, no, thing no. with death. There, 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 you there, got this thing with death. You need no, to there, there's a reason here. So in in the the the, the least ethical you, thing I've ever done dying? in my life. No, 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 no. The least ethical thing I ever did in my life. I was a financial aid counselor at a university. And I know that if someone were to pass away, those student loans die with them. They don't come out of the estate. They don't do anything. And one of my students, I found, I had heard a rumor that one of my students had potentially passed away. And so I requested every single dollar I could on his behalf. Uh -huh. So that money would go to his family. Oh, and then wow. it would just wipe away terribly unethical like I, there may have been a crime that was committed but it was yeah, long I enough think ago that's very illegal and maybe you want to delete that part of no nah, i'm not worried about it because i have not worked there for over 10 years and i know there's a statute of limitations and it's usually oh, around so you already looked at the details <laughs> like, that's not the most illegal thing i've ever done so don't worry about that but well, I won't talk about anything else online, but that, that, that was, that's the reason I knew. So it's not like a, you know, I was like, Hey, here's the thing that I can do for this family It's like, I can send them some of the federal government's money that they're going to eventually, you know, get wiped out anyway. So the third time Tim, Tim's Tim is back. I don't know if he's blocking stuff or if he's talking about us think potentially damaging long-term things. All right. So we are at two beyond two hours. You're, you're now the official champion of how long of a live stream we can run and I can go as long as we need to, but I also want to be aware of the time that you have. Like you have a job, you have a kid, you have a husband, you have things to take care of. I don't want to steal any more time from you um, than possible. It's not a big deal. Kids in bed. I mean, Good. it's 1046 here. Kids been in bed a long time. Yeah, it's it's 946 here. Our kids go to bed at 830. Actually, one of them came while you were, luckily she came up while you were talking. She was like, hey, is it time to go to bed? I was like, yes, because my wife wasn't here. She just came back. But before I'm not I'm not necessarily wrapping up, but before we, you know, kind of just wander for a while, links, things you've got going on, things you want to sell, whatever. Yeah. Um, so female whiskeysociety.com is the website. I have, I've been really bad with it. I'll be honest. Um, I haven't been updating it as much, but you can find out where you can get, um, merchandise and all of those good things. I would show you the three cord bottle, but, oh, you know what? I've got one right here. I was like, I've got a three cord bottle holding up my screen right now. So I yep. The three cord. I have plenty of the three cord, tons of the three cord please buy the three quarter i'm gonna be buried with it my student loans will not go away or my student loans will go away this three cord won't and i will say i think three cord is one of those tough ones because either people don't know enough about it to buy it or they um they have preconceived notions but i will tell you i i take great pride in what i do with picking whiskey and um i like i said integrity and loyalty are one of the biggest things to me i would never expect anyone to spend their hard-earned money on something that i thought was mediocre and i'm very very picky i tried 11 single barrels maybe more that day i got very drunk but i'll tell you i picked this way before <laughs> i got super drunk um, and this one is just, it's 115.8 proof, but 
it was something about it. It was just, I think it was fantastic and it deserves to be, uh, to be drank. And, and Tim, he bought like 12 of them. So, um, that one and bluegrass is gone. So I can't, I shouldn't really talk about it, but the bluegrass Look, is gone. I just, I, I, I absolutely, I had two bottles of it. I've got one that I'm drinking. I gave one to my local liquor store and it's got all the things that the bluegrass one has all the things that I want. It's, it's, it's a dark flavor and I don't know a, a better way to, to phrase it right yeah. now, but it's got a dark flavor and I like things that are dark. Like my coffee is black because I want it to be dark and bitter. Like my soul. Um, oh my God. I say the same thing about myself. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's a thing, but this, the three chord is like, I bought two bottles of it, gave one of them away to a local, to a friend who runs a local Facebook group. You know, they're, they're good bottles. And, you know, what do you usually do? Like, is this a, a line Morgan's pocket fund or what do you do with your money from the barrels? If you want to answer. No, no, I, I do not line pockets. Um, the bluegrass, um, that one, we didn't do anything particularly with, but um, new riff and three chord all went to, ch or will three new riff has already all gone to charity. Any profits from the new roof have, have all gone to charity. The um, three chord, as soon as we sell it, and all the profits will be going to music charity here in Metro Detroit. We have partnered with, um, it's called the School of Rock. They're based out of Royal Oak, Michigan. And um, it is um, by during the, the, the day and um, nights and weekends, it's a standard um a school where kids can go um, and get music lessons. They can go get guitar lessons, drumming lessons, and then they have a band that they put together and do shows. But for those kids that need to uh, some sort of assistance with paying for their lessons, paying for their instruments, the the um, the school has a 501c and will be donating all of that money to the 501c. Um, the new riff was partnered with a few other different charities. So the new riff I did um, with that short candle sale and a few other um, events that I did throughout all of last year, the new riff went to um, Dignity Matters, which supports um, low underfunded communities as well as homeless females get access to feminine and hygiene, feminine hygiene products. Mm -hmm. And then we did um, the Women's Law Center out of Chicago, which provides um, attorneys, lawyers, litigation support for women who um, are underserved or um, were wrongfully terminated and need some sort of representation. Whatever it may be, they offer low and no cost um, attorney services. Habitat for Humanity, um, I just try, you know, I, I try to find grassroots charities to, to donate to, mm -hmm. um, and then mixing in like a few bigger ones. So the barrel picks I do, I, I'm not looking to make any money that for me, that's just, I'm, I'm putting all my own money out, but for me, that's just a way to support my community. I, I don't need to make money off of these barrels. I, I really enjoy the process. I feel like the process of going and doing a barrel pick it is so fun and exciting and so much more that I'm, I'm getting way more out of that process than I ever would out of the money that would come from it. Um, so, 
so anything from the barrel picks all goes to charity. I, I don't, I don't keep any of that. If there's any money kept, it's just to be able to afford to do the next pick. Yeah. And I guess maybe the, if you don't, if you didn't know beforehand what the answer was going to be, the way I phrased that question may have been slightly inappropriate, but I already knew the answer because I've purchased <laughs> the bottles from you in the past and I know where the, the money is going. And I mean, even if it did go in your pocket, it doesn't matter because the bottle's still delicious, but yeah. you're not making a ton of money off of a single barrel. Even if you were no. collecting that, you're not making a ton of money. It's not a, no, the, the, it's not a clear and, you know, What was really nice with the three cord is the um, three cord themselves offered to lower our costs substantially as they're part of the donation to the music charity. So costs would have, I think normally, I, I don't even remember the cost, but it, say it was normally $50 a bottle. They lowered it to like 30 some dollars a bottle. And those aren't the accurate numbers. I just don't remember. So they, they lower the cost significantly so they could give to the charity as well. Because I mean, three quarter is a music brand as well. My husband comes from a music family and we just wanted to do something with music. So, yep. you know, I, I, I like to do female oriented, female based charities, but I felt with the three chord, it was just right to, to do something music related. So we're almost at three hours <laughs> and I do have to cut off at some point. No, no, we, we do. We have yeah. to stop. We can't go all night. Like, I, I, no, I could. I to to the could. Like the conversation will flow there. And we'll have to do this again for sure. I yes. truly appreciate you coming on and and and, and doing this. You know, like it, I hope you answered your your five to eight questions. Yeah, no, there there's there's the there's the five to eight questions plus the stack of post notes right oh, here. No. Like this, that's this what is, I look like with to do lists. This, no, this is all the things covered. that we actually covered. Like this, everything was covered. There was not anything that was missed. Everything was covered. Um, there obviously will be more. Anytime you come across something else that you want to talk about, you've got something coming up. If you've got a new single barrel pick that you want to promote, I will absolutely show it to the 14 people that are going to listen to this on a podcast and the 40 people that are going to watch it on YouTube or whatever. Um, I appreciate you being here. I'm going to dump you out. I'm going to hit the outro. I appreciate you being here tonight. Yes, thank you so much for having for me. Sure. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So thanks for joining me for tonight or today or whenever you happen to catch this. I hope you find um, this episode entertaining. Uh, if you did, please leave a review and hop over to Morgan's um, Instagram, to her website, whatever. Pick up one of her single barrels if you can. Also, leave a comment if possible. Hit up, hit me up on social media at Twitter or Instagram using EmbellishPod. Give me a follow so you can uh, keep up with what's going on here. I can be found at www.embellishpod.com with all of my links, accounts, contact details, whatever else that you're looking for. Oh, no, that we're, we're getting hit again by uh, my folks over here on this. Give me just a second to remove them. All right. Um, I'll be back again next week with another episode. So until then, cheers and thanks for hanging out.